Welcome to the Metalheads Podcast. My name is George. This is Jay. This is John. This is Matt. And that's everybody. <laughs> and then there were four. So that's, that's everybody who's anybody. I mean, yeah. yeah, I mean those, you know, those uh those B-listers. But uh um <laughs> Marcuson is not able to make it today. And I wanted to note this is the first time since Marcuson's been full time that he has missed an episode. So uh, it is an auspicious occasion. Um, and uh, Will is on semi-sabbatical uh, for the time being. Uh, it sounds like he's going to be pretty busy and not have time for us, but he said he will at, at the very least make the mid and year-end episodes and whenever else he can. So, um, And he's fine. It's just... Yeah, it's not, like, it's not like the cancer or anything. It's just yeah. like work and stuff is just really busy right now so um you know he's a big fucking important guy yeah so plus he's got kids and blah 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 yeah so you know he's just busy so yeah he'll be around eventually sometime in the future but uh tonight it's just the four of us and we're gonna see if we can see if we can make this work we got no guest we just got a script so just so cozy on up to the log at the campfire and let's light this bitch all righty well, let's start off with the ye old t-shirt, beer, and coffee check. Yeah. Start off with Matt. Just the four of us. You so and I've, you and you and I. <laughs> um, I've been doing some pre-gaming, so I'm going to list that. Surly, a local brewery to me, has something called the Bottle Project. It's like a quarterly bottle release, and I've had the first one today with my neighbor, called the long winter it's an o'shaughnessy barrel age barley wine beer uh-huh. really really good nice after that was fremont a uh, brew 6000 from 2022 also good and then uh john in honor of you i have a uh, blue bloom sorry from brewery bahava lined up for later nice and uh t-shirt check you guys probably can't see this all that well Let take me it off position myself so this is a carcass t-shirt that was specifically made for Psycho Vegas. I'm wearing for two reasons. Obviously, Jay and I are in a temporary suspended mourning period for the uh, <laughs> postponement of Psycho Vegas. Um, Jay, when when we bought, when I bought this shirt, it was probably midnight, one o'clock. I'd had plenty of cocktails and I did not think to try it on. <laughs> and so once I got it home and tried it on, it's basically like uh, spandex. And so <laughs> I'm trying to stretch it out. This Welcome to my world. Um, yeah. <laughs> the um, the forecast in Las Vegas is always midnight, one o'clock, plenty yeah, of cocktails. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jay, what are you not drinking? I'm drinking water. Um, I just got home. I was out. Oops. I'm sorry. I guess it was John next. Sorry. Oh, I'm sorry See, I'm all thrown now. off. Finish, finish off, Jay. Well, only, uh, finish him um, off. Running around today. We are having the unusual 
cold snap here. And so went out and looked at snow and stuff today, which was fucking crazy. I just got home. It actually snowed here too. It didn't really accumulate, but I was out walking in it. It was coming down pretty hard. Mountains here, and and as John knows, we don't exactly have super high mountains around us. I mean, I'm not talking about the Sierras, but so I had a Dunkin' Donuts iced coffee on the way home, which is awesome. And uh, beers will come later. And then on my um, my t-shirt check is the. Just because it's so fucking cold, I'm wearing the merciful fake Melissa long sleeve with the Slayer Hellowates uh, Memorial hoodie. 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 So, but all practical choices yeah. simply because I'm fucking cold. And a killer combo. Yeah. Indeed. Deep, well, extra heat from all the hellfire. So, Slaytanic. Hey, <laughs> uh, John. Uh, first off, May, Matt, what was that beer? You said it was for me, but I don't know what type it was. Is a dry cardamom triple. Oh, nice. Cool. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So uh, in keeping with my drinking Belgians on the podcast, which I've been doing now for a little bit, or has it just been one episode? I don't even know. Uh, I'm drinking something called McShoof. If you know your gnomes, McShoof by Brassier de Schoof. Uh It's a Belgian strong dark. It's very good. And my shirt, they, they can see it. I'm wearing my 2018 Paradise Lost Tour shirt. Uh, Jay, Matt, you're free to welcome to leave at this point in the podcast. <laughs> Go to the bar. I'm totally <laughs> happy to never be able to live that day. <laughs> I mean, my only I mean, hope is to, to, to literally see one song next time when they will be like, oh, let's My only hope is that somehow we can meet up with them beforehand and say, Hey, can you dedicate your third song <laughs> in the set to two people for us? Not that they'll get it. No. And, and they'll buy you beers afterwards for it. <laughs> and so to elaborate for anybody listening that when we went to cycle Las Vegas, I don't know if we've talked about it on the podcast. Yeah, I think, I think you did. It. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's Fair right. Enough. We did on our report. We talked about it. But in any way, <laughs> what you don't, what is not able to be heard on the podcast is the sheer amount of shit we've got about it ever since. But we have embraced I mean, it. It's amazing the draw of a brewery. You know, when you're not by a brewery and you're like, well, we could be at a brewery right now. Like that. It's almost like the, uh, the, uh, what's the term from Star Wars? The tractor field? What is it? Uh, tractor beam. Tractor beam, yeah. tractor beam. <clears throat> of a brewery. That's no moon. Yeah, exactly. That's Will's ass. It's hey, yeah. Alpha Bravo Brewing. I'm, I'm starting to think. Uh, uh, Abel Baker. Sorry. <laughs> and I still have such, I have such pleasant dreams of that place. That, hey, I, place. that rubber ducky is in my uh, living room. I have, I, to say, I have to say I'm starting to think that this whole brewery is just code for a, another quote-unquote establishment in Las Vegas. <laughs> GH. Yeah. You know, sometimes you just, you got to go back. You can't stop. You know, uh, for, sorry to take a, uh, a right turn here, but uh, for those that don't know, uh, Matt was actually in our neck of the woods last week. Oh, yeah. And uh, John right. and, and Will and I met up with him and his mm-hmm. friend, Aaron. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, uh, and what, 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 we got Aaron really drunk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, but, but point being... Um, you know, if you've ever been to Atlas or if you've ever heard us talk about Atlas, you've probably heard about the uh, infamous butt slaps. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got to see 
Matt's first Atlas butt slap, and he didn't see it coming, and you should have seen his face. It was like, oh. The thing was, to me, it felt epic because I was thinking about it today. Literally, I was going to the bathroom, and John said, hey, you said something to the effect of you'll see the hipsters about hipsters, and you'll say, you'll see what it is when you go around the corner. Yeah. And I go around the corner, and there are two people reading books at the bar. And they're not just reading books, but they have the books held up in front of them <laughs> at the bar. And I literally stopped, laughed, and I turned around to go tell John, like, John, I know what you're talking about. And before I could even finish the sentence, I was like, what is that warm sensation on my backside? Oh, yeah, I just got slapped, like, the hardest I possibly could. It was great. By Will. By Will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the infamous Atlas butt slap. Yep. Out of nowhere. Yep. Didn't those take place at the Goose Island Brewery? <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't pinching, Jay. He was slapping. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he, was, he was open fisting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, George. Um, so I am wearing my Decibel Magazine Metal and Beer Fest 2021 Philly shirt. Yeah. Uh, partly because it's a different shirt. <laughs> I always wear like yeah. the same three shirts. I know. Uh, also because, you know, we're not that far out from the next decibel, uh, metal and beer fest, uh, in April. And, uh, well, I'm going to talk about them a little more later, but, uh, as far as what I'm drinking, I haven't started it yet. I received this from mm-hmm. our friend, Nick, and it is from Barntown Brewing. And it is a peanut butter and grape jelly sour. And I am going to crack this thing right here, right now, and pour this. And we will find out exactly. Oh, it's purple. <laughs> if, you know, as you're opening it, just the three expressions from myself, Jay, Matt, it's just, you're like, I'm going to open this now. And Jay's just kind of looking off in wonderment because he's kind of. It looks like grape along. juice. <laughs> oh, just like smirking. But- but sniff the can and it's all peanut butter. So let's see what we got here. If I die, tell, tell Will I love him. Marcus on too. Okay, here goes. Wow. It literally tastes like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I'm getting the peanut butter. I'm getting the grape jelly. I wouldn't call it sour. It's sort of like the world's worst wine tasting. I'm getting, I'm getting peanut butter. Are you getting peanut butter? There's a little jelly here. This is literally like I just took a bite out of a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I just at some at what point do I just start screaming? All right, everyone, settle down. No one's drinking a peanut butter and jelly sour. <laughs> Except Sideways. I am. This is no pretty damn good, Nick. Thank you. I'm going to drink the whole the thing. Got the joke. All right, no one's drinking. We're not drinking Merlot. No, oh, no fucking Merlot. Yeah, yeah. my bad. Enough with the fucking Merlot. Okay, but we're not drinking any fucking Merlot. Huh. I'm impressed with the ability to uh, cover both of these flavors in one beer. And and it's not bad. It's got a sort of a grapey, like grape juicy aftertaste. That would be the yeah. the jelly part of the peanut butter and jelly. Definitely. Wow. Okay. All right. Is it a Concord grape? <laughs> Uh, it does not say. <laughs> it is gluten-free, however. Oh, wait. It does say with Concord Grape. It says PB and, PB&J-inspired gluten-free sour with peanuts and Concord Grapes. So there you go. All right, Nick. I appreciate it. Um, 
I will uh, try and get you some of that Duclos sweet baby Jesus for uh, decibel. Bring that up. That was one of the first ones, I believe. I'm not sure if it was the first, but it definitely is one of the early beers that had peanut butter in them. Yeah. And that's a porter, which yeah. seems to match a little better. I'm not I, so sure. I see this thing at this store called Screwball Peanut Butter Whiskey. Yeah, that's good. You that's, tried it? Oh, yeah, it's good. I got some. Okay. Barb bought me good some. Yeah. It's, I mean, if you like peanut butter, it's tasty, you know. I do like peanut butter. Yeah. You know, like like this and anything else that's flavored like that, you're not gonna pound back a whole bunch of it, but it's nice for a, you know, Weird a taste. Yeah, yeah. All righty then, let's move on to the news. Architects drummer Danny something or other, I think his name was, uh, <laughs> has suggested that bands go on strike over venues taking a cut of band merch. What the hell? Get your damn hands off my band merch. I don't understand why venues would be taking a oh, cut from merch. They all take a percentage. Every single Very venue. common practice. Really? It's getting worse. Yes. Yeah. It's uh, been going on for years. And and it's, it's, it's bad enough for people like guys playing, you know, like the big, Motley Crue, Def Leppard, bullshit tour, but it sucks for people like Chemist. You know what I mean? And yeah, you I'm know. sure for their band it sucks. This band, I I don't know them. I I know of them. I don't know much about them. And at first I was like, wait a minute, and it took me a second, and then I realized, oh, I because I we all know people in bands, you know, and I just I've heard these stories. It's just horrible. Uh, there's, I was I think when I, I told George about this, I read this, and I cannot find where I read it because somebody in the comments somewhere on, on Assbook had um, made a, a breakdown of what bands get off of their tours and their merch. And I was like, this is really detailed. I mean, down to percentages and how much bands are probably averaging a night, these types of bands. And he says, Oh yeah, it's on my YouTube channel. I did a whole episode on this and I forgot to open up the link just so it'd stay in my history. So I can watch it later so I can have it ready for, this so i can tell everyone and i can't find it i'm pissed but if i can find it I'll, I'll put it out there the breakdown was depressing the bands are making absolutely nothing even with merch wow because you know yeah you, you, you always hear about how bands get screwed by promoters and, and and establishments about getting you know paid for you know attendance and and you know the, the door uh, prices and stuff like that and and how bands basically live day to day off of their merch sales if you're taking their merch sales too what the hell are they supposed to eat with yeah i know especially with gas prices and stuff now the way they uh, are it, well, it, and, and they've it's lost. This, uh, well, I, my, I do know it's been around for quite a while because i remember hearing i've yeah. heard various artists complain about it from time to time and and i want to say it's been around five years and maybe ten and maybe probably longer i don't know but I say again, it hurts the guys down at the bottom the worst, just like it always does. Mm -hmm. Whatever, whatever the thing is, and it's it's too bad because, to be fair, you know some of these venues are struggling too. So it's I don't know. I feel like the whole concert industry at a lower level is hanging by kind of a thin. Yeah, it's like what do you 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 know? How is striking going to help anything? They just got through the pandemic without going out of business. Um, so you you striking isn't going to. I mean. You're just both going to suffer, you know, know. and then they're going to go out of business and then you got nowhere to play. 
I, not that I'm sorry. siding with the venues, but you know, I know I, I'm not one to, to jump out right away and with the posters and march around saying, what do we want and do all that? I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying, I'm not the person to jump out and do that. However, there's part of the problem here is that most of these venues now, who do you think owns them? Live yeah. nation. Right. right. You know, and so I, I'm torn on this one because I understand what he's saying. I understand small venues are suffering, but at the same time, when 60 something percent of your industry is owned by live nation, I mean, yeah, the well, deal with the devils when Ticketmaster merged with Live Nation because Live Nation was all the the marketing and promotion of radio, and now they had all the tickets. So the reason why you hear all the same music on the radio all the time, uh, Live Nation, because they own a majority. I think they own something like 70 percent of all the radio stations. I could be wrong about that, but and then all the tickets on Ticketmaster go straight to resale. Exactly, you know, and so I. And I think he only said for a month. I think that was what his thing was, just to hit them one time. But I think you're right, George. That we sort of have to pull the muck back to see who's really going to take the hit and who mm-hmm. won't. Um, they're, they're literally not making anything. I mean, they don't get any cut at all whatsoever what's sold at the bar. They get zero, even though they bring all the people in right. for the that's show. That's a good point. They get that's nothing. a really good point, though. Unless they're at Atlas, and then they get free beer. Yeah. Well, that's just, I mean, why, why do you think everyone wants to play there? They don't take a cut of their merch and they get free beer. Yeah. But I mean, on top of the fact that, and granted we're years past this, but like nobody makes any money from a record label anymore. Right. You know? Well, you can, and you can blame streaming for that. Mm-hmm. Streaming's yep. completely destroyed that part of it. Yep. Um, so I've heard some people say, well, the best thing you do then is buy directly from the bands off their websites. And so I'm thinking, well, maybe bands need to start doing that. Maybe they need to start offering some, kind of pre-sale tour merch for people. I don't know. I don't know or how they selling can... outside the fucking venue. Somebody it's some some musician who commented on the thing says, so what's stopping me from going down a block and a half, two blocks away and selling all my merch yeah. down there. Just come out to the show. We'll sell you anything you want down there. Yeah. I was like, on your Facebook page. Yeah. Well you're gonna need a permit probably and you'll probably get arrested by the somebody in the city who's okay, gonna complain. <laughs> so you so they gotta pay bail. <laughs> I, I I just think it's an overall um, commentary or you know um, symptom of how brittle the system is right now and I mm-hmm. yeah I don't know I mean I there was such a, an interesting well I don't know if it was interesting or not I didn't fucking read it but there was an article in the San Francisco paper today but the headline was basically restaurant owners weigh in to for people considering opening one don't you know <laughs> what I mean and so and that I know when I talk about restaurants but that whole kind of entertainment thing is a weird still a weird place you know i don't know i wonder if um decibel does this by the way if they take anything from well no i guess it would be the the venue yeah it would be Fillmore, or wherever the other one is i mean i think that that's why also we've seen that so many things going to the festival festivals i think those still make money i think the bands make money at festivals i think that's why all the especially european bands because they're already obviously over there. I think that's why they do the uh, circuit. They'll play like four or five festivals in the summer. And that's basically, that could be significant money for the whole year for them, for all band members, because they get paid so much. Um, I, I once um, read an interview with Biff um, Byford from Saxon. And he was saying, and this was like 10 years ago or something, you know, it was post 
whatever. And um, and he was saying they love to come to America, but they only do it once once every five years or so. And he said it's because we really kind of lose money. He said if we didn't play at the House of Blues, we wouldn't be able to pay for the tour. He said the House of Blues shows we play fill up. They're in cities that like us that pays for the whole tour and we come home with, you know, we got to go to America. That's what happened. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Uh, did you guys see and kind of tying into this slightly from a different direction? Um, I don't know which guy it was from the Dillinger Escape Plan. Um, what is the guy's name? Ben Weiserman? Yep. Ben. Yep. He, I think it's him. I could be wrong. Um, yep. Somebody can correct me later where he made a con- He's apparently teaching musicians or he offers his help to musicians on how to make money in the industry. Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, I, I suspect just from hearing him talk in the past that he's one of the few that actually makes money because uh, certain musicians, they just, they play all their cards, right? Like Mike from Opeth. I know he, that's all he does. He makes enough money to be a musician, but there's like the people like him and possibly this guy from Dillinger escape plan. They're far and few between that can actually make a, a decent living by only playing music uh-huh. yeah. <clears throat> well did dillinger escape plan break up saying we're sick and tired of fucking breaking even yeah yeah something but like that yeah ben is uh he's with suicidal now i think touring really <clears throat> but i would i would be very curious to see if there's something some other way he's making money i feel like um matt heafy from trivia trivium he probably does pretty well how much money he makes on twitch is it twitch twitch yeah, yeah. Like the video thing, I was astounded. I mean, good for him, but like, so you're literally making all this money making videos for people. So I think he's playing he video games. More. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he he. I think he said he makes just as much, if not a little more, on Twitch than he does touring. Uh-huh. Right. Actually, I remember the number it was. He said he makes ten thousand dollars a month on Twitch on average. Yeah, and I think he actually gives exclusive content. Also, he'll like play video games and he'll like give a song out, and people go nuts for that shit. And I'm like. Mm-hmm. More power to the dude. Now he's actually on, uh, what is it, Liquid uh, Metal. He's a guest host on there now oh, all the he? time. Yeah. So and they're a pretty big band, dude. Like so, that, that speaks volumes. You know? But even he's got to have to come up with other streams of revenue. So it, yeah, it sucks. Anyway. Anyway. So next up, we've got Voivod re-recording songs from their early albums to celebrate their 40th anniversary. Well, doesn't that just make you feel old when you were a Voivod <laughs> fan from back in the day? Um, I sure hope they're doing Korgle the Exterminator. So it's my understanding it's um, Killing Technology, Dimensions, uh, Nothing Face, and the one before Killing Technology. They're going to focus on those albums that predominantly. Be before Killing Technology was Roar, I think. Roar, I yeah. think, yeah. Which would so, be Korgle. Really, they're going all the way up to Nothing Face? I'm surprised they would b- touch that one. I mean, I, you know, War and Pain, I get Roar, maybe Killing Technology. I wouldn't go any further than that. Yeah, I... Even Killing Technology is pretty perfect as is. I would just record stuff from the first two albums. Yeah, I'm curious to see what... I, I'm very ambivalent about this. Not them, I say in general, because most bands don't do a great job where they're doing it because like they're pissed at their old singer. So we'll show them we'll record another album with all the other music from that person. It's interesting. Uh, Assuming it's a mix of things. Cause like whenever a band re-records an album like twisted sister did with stay hungry or man of war did with uh, Kings of metal. Was it? Um, That's just wrong. You know, that's, that's just trying to rewrite the past and, and, uh, 
you know, well, I, I know I'm pretty sure Twisted Sister did it because of the record label thing, but yeah, I think so. Um, but still, you know, but something that's just sort of a let's go take some stuff that's really old, um, from across a few albums and and do it for fun. I'm I'm behind that. Yeah. So I've I've only known two bands that I've ever like three, I guess, sort of. Amorphous recorded new songs uh, from a bunch of different albums with Tommy as the singer from the early days. Mm-hmm. I'm a little, I mean, I love Anorphous. I was like, I don't know how I feel about that. I listened to them like, fuck, these songs are awesome. <laughs> but I know people not liking that. But the only two times I've really felt good about it is when November's Doom reissued a bunch of their albums. They, I think, remastered and remixed the albums, but they included the original album. So it was a double album that they released for each one. So you got the new one, but they kept the old one with it. I was like, that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. And then uh, this band called Andromeda, they're a prog metal band, I think from Sweden. When they, on their first album, they had one singer, then a new singer came in. They re-recorded that whole first album with the new singer, but they included the first album with the original singer. I was like, okay, that's cool. I can get behind that. If you're going to include both of them, then I'm down with it. I'm not cool when they re-record, like you said, George, an album with even sometimes different musicians. And it's like, you're basically just cashing in on your old stuff, unless it was horribly recorded, you know, and like Nevermore's uh, album. Jay, do you remember that? Um, The reality album that it was such a bad recording. They had to go back and uh, redo the whole album because it was just that bad. Well, it's reality. I think is what it was. They didn't actually, you're right. And and not to be like nerd alert or something, but they didn't actually re-record it. They they gave it to Andy Sneed. Oh, he, did he remix and everything? Okay. But it was a massive, I mean, it was a, since he tore it down and built it back up again. And it is a very different record though. The performances are the same. I, um, and apparently I'm going to try to make every news story about Saxon today, but they did one a few years back called heavy metal thunder that had a long list of their old best of type tracks. And it was fucking awesome, dude. Like that was one of the, was one of the only ones I've ever heard that I still put in where I was just like, you yeah. know what, this is fine. And it doesn't detract from the older tracks, which I would also still listen to, but they've been such a different band personnel wise for so long that I was like, totally. Okay. Though I, I approached it with caution, but when I heard it, almost every one of them, is so well updated, you know, but, and still, I can still go back and listen to the old version of machine gun or something and be like, no, this is still fucking great too. So anyway, such a cool it, tune. <laughs> it, it, I will say this. If, if there's a band who's got integrity and is probably going to do it right, it's probably boy Bond. I mean, uh-huh. agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, his voice is so terribly different. So that's going to be a very different thing, you know? Yeah. It should be interesting. He's saying pretty different now. Yeah. You know, I'd like to hear like, I, I, not like a re-recording, but a remixing of like old Misfits stuff, you know, cause the, yeah. it's like, well, you know, we love the Misfits stuff and it, we knew it was shit when it was because that's what it was, but you know, it was seventies, eighties. Um, but it would be interesting to hear it like remixed if they had the original tracks and could, you know, like digitize it and, and, uh, you know, just make it cleaner and louder and, and maybe it's funny you said that though, George, cause I bet you they are gone. I, I, in, in the punk rock world, I'm sure they were reusing tapes. Probably. probably. <laughs> I bet there are no masters Yeah, for those. Yeah. But, yeah. That'd be neat. To but hear. you know, that was one of the reasons seeing them, one of the reunion shows was so exciting because, you know, 
obviously the production values were so different, you know? I mean, they played a fucking arena when I saw them, mm -hmm. the big sound system and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah. All right. So next item, members of typo negative and crowbar have formed a new project called I am spelled E Y E A M. And, uh, I know, uh, Kirk Winstein, is part of this. I don't, it was Johnny Kelly, maybe. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't, I didn't read the article, so I don't remember who all the members were, but uh, sounds like a fun time to me. From, two guys from Typo, Kirk Winstein, and then some slightly more anonymous person. There's always an anonymous yeah. person in one of those. Maybe not with the, you guys. It might be some of you guys know, but it was somebody that didn't ring a bell with me. And the, was it the drummer from Typo as well? I can't think of his name. Um, you know, I get mixed up because... So one of those guys has a project with um, Rick Hunnell that's getting ready to come out really? from Exodus. <clears throat> and so he's in this weird super band with somebody from Typo and something else. It's a band called Die Humane. They've just released the first two tracks. And it's kind of um, a little bit, um, it's not, um, it's the word I'm looking for. You know, like what, what, is, what kind of band is ministry? industrial industrial it's slightly industrial which okay. i guess you could kind of say about typo so maybe that's the typo influence going on but yeah it's know, interesting that they're all resurfacing it's kenny hickey know, I, from guitarist from typo and and john kelly drums from typo drums, yeah it's kirk winstein and uh todd strange of also crowbar and down oh okay uh, so, yeah. kelly so, is he's the drummer for uh quiet riot too i think was that right <laughs> Yeah, because I saw them this summer, and like they did this kind of interlude, and in the middle of it, they went into block number one, and I basically uh -huh. lost my shit. Yeah, because um, there's like no original members in in Quiet Riot now. That uh, exactly, uh, mm -hmm. what's his name died. Uh, yep, he was an original member. Well, no, he, no, no, sorry, you're right. The last of yeah. the no classic lineup of the classic lineup <laughs> members. Uh, yeah, sorry, his name escapes <laughs> me. But the only like, him and there's the drummer, and then Jizzy Pearl's the only person. He's the singer, which is not the original singer, but. Um, well. Oh, wait, didn't Bernie Sarzo come back, though? Mm. I thought he was yeah, with he, just recently, like in the last six months or so. I think so. I think he oh, actually okay. started playing with them again. No sure. Uh -huh. Yeah, you're right about that. I don't think he's a member, but I think he's just like... Just, he just touring with them? Did a tour or something. Okay, right. yeah, that's wild. Bernie Sarzo, which the thing I, I think I bring up every time his name comes up, which is not often, but Rudy Sarzo is famous with me for being in so many really good bands, but not managing to be on any of their fucking records. <laughs> he's just, he's always he, in the band. He's not on the quiet riot record. He's not on Ozzy's records. I don't think he's on the white snake record that he toured on. He might be on one of the white snake records, huh. but these were all bands where he came in after a bass player left and became famously known as their bass player, but he, he didn't play on any of these fucking things. <laughs> no. It's really funny because he left Quiet Riot when before they recorded that record. He was the original guy, and then he came came back after the record came out. And I think Quiet Riot's got an uh, opportunity here since pretty it's a given that anybody can be in Quiet Riot at this point. They ought to just crowdfund like their next mm -hmm. tour and be like, "Hey, you know, highest bidder gets to be the drummer this tour, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, you'll you'll be in a band called Quiet Riot, mm -hmm. and uh, you know." That's what like it is. Fairs. Yeah. In casinos. <laughs> casinos where, I, where I've seen them twice. So. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen them because I would not have. I mean, no, I unless they were at M3, but I don't think they were. 
Well, I've never seen them without any members that have passed away. So, uh-huh. hint, 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 hint. <laughs> All right. So our last news item. Hell has officially frozen over and Marty Friedman performed with Megadeth in Japan. Uh, I did not ever think that would happen because of uh, Marty's attitude towards Dave and Megadeth. And uh, I didn't actually read the article, so I don't know if there was any um, discussion about how this came about or and and how it went over. John, do you know anything about this? I, I honestly just briefly looked at it and saw a couple comments and I didn't go into detail because uh, when we were talking about news items, I was busy doing something with Jen at the same time uh-huh. and I never went back to it. But like you, I'm like, the only thing I did see is I think that they actually have been planning this for a little while. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know? I think they just, he, it, they, I think they're at least somewhat friendly now and he just invited him. He said, yes. I mean, that was it. He lives in Japan. So yeah, um, it was just one of those things finally where they were like in town and he must've been like, you want to go and play? You know, right. ahead of time. I was like, you said, they planned it. And the same thing happened with, uh, what was the original guitarist? Chris Poland. Uh-huh. Yeah. Same thing eventually happened in the two, early 2000, mid two thousands. They finally got back together. And of course that didn't last long, but, um, so who knows? I was happy to see him back. Sorry, Jim. No, I was just saying, it's just cool. They, he played with him a little bit. That's cool. You know? you know, he's an interesting case too. I don't know a lot about that guy and I don't mm-hmm. care about his music or anything with all due respect, but he makes like a real living in Japan as mm-hmm. some sort of, yeah. I, I don't mean, know he, if he does soundtracks or like what he's doing, but he's, he's like a guy over there. You know? yeah. he he, it's like he moved over there and never looked back. Well, he got married. He speaks fluent Japanese. Uh, he's been oh. involved, I think, with baby metal a little bit. Oh, I mean, yeah, that's right. He, and I think he, he just always has loved the culture and the lifestyle there and got married and stayed. And obviously his wife is Japanese is what you're saying. I would assume so. Yes. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, but I guess he's like making a real honest to mm-hmm. living over there, you know, like he does. Okay. So he's, I've seen him on some television shows, you know, talking yeah. and everything. And, uh, yeah. yeah, he's turning Japanese. I really think so. <laughs> I was just thinking, <laughs> you know, that song, uh, I, I'm, I'm referencing the song called Turning Japanese uh, by the Vapors from the uh, 80s. And, you, you know, I like that song. It's a cool, catchy song. But you listen to that song now and I'm like, man, it just sounds wrong. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's not politically correct uh, at all. But still a cool song. <laughs> so Neither is WAP, but apparently it was a highlight at the Grammys. True that. <laughs> oh, man. I, so, I guess I'd have to le- read the lyrics not to WAP. Um, I read those lyrics. Uh, Are you talking this year, John? Because I felt like the unholy thing was really what caused. Oh, that was the big stink this time. Yeah, with Sam Smith. But I heard about it from my mom. Well, do tell. I I watched it. Sorry, my mom was she was complaining about saying like, "Ah, it's like satanic." I'm like, the music I listen to. She's like, "Oh, that's different." And then she went on about it, and like, so I went and got my Venom record, "Welcome to Hell." I'm like. You know, and, and granted, that's probably not the best example I could use, but for somebody who doesn't know about satanic metal, that works. That's a, no, that's she's the like, best example you could use. Like, but, but no, that's a completely different, that, that, that's not the same thing. I'm like, I'm pretty sure it's not the same thing because I'm your kid, because it's the same thing. I think what she was saying was, is that, no, that album is really cool. Yeah. And this guy at the Grammys was an ass clown. Got it, got it. She was like, I don't like him. He's gay and she's trans. Yeah. And they're dressed up like devils. 
they were yeah, just wearing this was, stupid outfit with the hat and everything okay. else. It's like this is dumb. I I, I loved it. it. I I okay, you know I, I didn't, didn't even it all. I I watched it and uh, I, I I you know M Smith's a good singer. I didn't I don't knock the guy. Um, I don't know uh, what's her name that that uh, he did the track with. I wasn't familiar with her beforehand, but. Um, but when they were playing this, I was like, damn, this is so metal. It's all dark and, you no know, kidding. evil looking. And he was like, I mean, he was like fat Satan and um, with horns and stuff. Uh, <laughs> not to fat shame Sam Smith. I'm fat with your brother. But, um, <laughs> but uh, you know, it was kind of uh, campy, I would say. Okay. Interesting. And yeah, uh, that's what I wondered. Mind but, you, we had this discussion during the Super Bowl halftime show, which was like nobody lost their clothes or anything like that. So, right. Well, I, 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 I would venture to bet that people were more offended by the fact that uh, about her being trans than sure. by okay. how they were dressed. Okay. Um, gotcha. No, I, and, I was offended by just being low hanging fruit to shock everybody. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, it wasn't totally, shocking. It wasn't totally. even till the end of it that I was like, oh, I wonder, you know. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. if this was metal, this would be totally getting, uh, you know, people's panties in a bunch. And I was like, nah, but no, her- well, first of all, it wouldn't be on there. Yeah. 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 The Grammys ratings are so bad. Yeah, they they are. are so low. Literally, the majority of people don't give a shit about that show anymore. Right. And this is all, in my opinion, it's just just a way to get people in the cheap seats. You know, yeah, so. I mean, they don't even do the rock section on on air anymore even rock isn't good enough to be on the grammys yeah well nothing's good enough to be on the grammys because it's all shit like that yeah Mm -hmm. well i thought it was cool just because of how um you know like tweaking the cheek of 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 the industry and and uh and uh, the networks and everybody because you know clearly it got the response that they were probably expecting that it would now the networks sure. love it. We got to get sure. that guy back next year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, Satan's really, been on television really just... for twenty some years every night on South Park, and nobody says a word about it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so. They just need to have Venom play at the Grammys. <laughs> that would be fucking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway. Shall we move on to the new releases then? Yeah, I think I can get myself another beer, too, while we're doing that. Oh, yeah. All righty. Let me just pull up my bag. Oh, nice. It's close. Yeah, and it's cold still. Mm, warm that bag up. Put your hands between Ooh, your legs. All right. All right. So, first one up. It's not actually out until next week, but we've already heard it, so we can talk about it. And that's the yeah. 16th album from Enslaved, Heimdall. Or as I like to call it, album of the year. Yeah. <laughs> or as I like to say, thanks, 2023. Next. Yep. <laughs> well, it's difficult to even talk about it. I mean, I'm not sure how to even approach their stuff at this point because like in this sort of like, let's try to say something new. <laughs> right. Exactly. And that's not an insult. I mean, they just are so consistently good. You know what I mean? Hey, Matt, have you, have you guys spent a lot of time with the album? So I haven't heard you say much about it already. I've said, I probably have like three spins and it, it really is like, I mean, their last album was my number one album. I felt like their last album was a slight departure from the prior. And mm-hmm. honestly, for sure. Yeah. 
I, I felt like their last album was exactly what I needed to hear at that time, which is not a real shock for Enslaved. <clears throat> I went through a period where I just was like tired of Enslaved and I went back and I think it was the album three and listened to it. And, you know, it was that kind of old absence, was it uh, absence makes it's a hard founder. And I just don't feel like I've looked back ever since. Like I just, there's like, they just can't do anything wrong for me. Um, yeah. No matter what they do, they, they take all the elements that make up their music that, you know, other people do, but they just do it a little bit better. And um, I mean, even just down to when you see him live and watch the singer talk on the microphone, like everything he says is perfect. Uh-huh. And so, uh, but, but that aside, just talking strictly about the album i just i think it sounds fabulous i think it's a continuation of the last album and again yeah. definitely what i want to but hear but it's heavier it is heavier absolutely but it's it's stylistic not stylistic Styl- but, um, it's, it's um its structure is very similar to the last yes one. Yep. yeah it expands with, a little further on that the atmospheric side of that last mm-hmm. album and it starts off with elephant farts it's not an elephant fart i told you i think those are those big old horns they blow in tibet yeah i was interested to hear matt's comment because i did the same thing with enslaved like i was crazy about them and then i think like it was around like the one i pronounced ritter like i didn't get it or something like i don't mean i didn't understand it i mean i didn't buy it and and then um I was doing something else at the time. Somebody else had my ear. And then I think it was, was there one between that and E? In times. Uh, yeah. Oh, in times. Yeah. In times was the one that brought me back to the fold. And I was like, ah, I'll probably get the new slave record. And then I was like, okay, I better go back and get the one, the Ritter. And, and, I, and ever since then, just like you said, Matt, they just don't let me down. And I don't know why yeah. I took a break because in, I've loved them. Since because they, their output is, is almost too much at some point. Well, and that, it wasn't it wasn't just albums. It was like I mean, they were in town here like three times a year, which yeah. uh, at times I was saying that like that's a bad thing. Like, no, it's great. Oversaturated. Like, they run every tour. Yeah, maybe a bit about oversaturation for sure, George. But it, for me, it was uh, Ritter and In Times. I was just like, uh, you guys are great, but whatever. And then there was probably a two or three year gap for me, and then three came out, or is it three or E? I can't remember um, what the character was, but I listened to it. I was like, yeah. E. Oh, yeah. E, e is, <laughs> yes, exactly. He is for enslaved. Yep. And that was probably one of my first podcasts, like that year end, where E mm-hmm. was my jam. Um, and he oh, just I, well, back it, in. It was like, it, man, alive. Like, why was I not listening to it? I can I can hear the opening track off that album in my head. The way it's but, dude, I think there's some horses and stuff, and then it just, it's magic. He had some extra pepper on it, though, yep, for one thing. Yep. And, um, and then, um, and end times is really good. Actually, there's a song there called "Building with Fire" that I just fucking love so much. And yeah, um, and Ritter's great too. Well, anyway, I agree with you. And this is all to say that the new one, any any kind of fatigue I had has been gone since E at least. And I'm super happy with this record. But like you have only spun it three times. But that's partially because I think I'm going to wait until it comes out now and then yeah. just buy it. Yeah, so, I mean. To your to your question, John, is sometimes I compare them to Aronsi Pazuzu because there are there are elements that Aronsi does that are really cool to me, almost in a psychedelic element that I feel like Enslaved does as well, but better, just because they're so much more into their craft, which is why I gravitate towards them so much more, even though their style has changed so much since 
you know, uh, what the hell is the album we watched them play live at Decibel? Frost. Which one? Frost. 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 Oh, yeah, exactly. You know, it's funny that we're talking about this, too, because I, I think I mentioned um, uh, that I, for some reason, I, well, no, I got a new vinyl remaster of Dark Side of the Moon and was, have been listening to that quite a bit. I'm not, not so much right now, but like a few weeks ago, I, was, I listened to a bunch. Which inevitably made me put, go put vertebrae on because that was, um, you know, my, f- my first. And and he says, um, Ivar says that's, that Dark Side is his favorite of all time. That's his favorite album, and that um, vertebrae is the one that embraces that the most. Anyway, I was just sort of reminded of what a kind of fucking masterpiece that record is, man. That's so fucking good. What yeah. I like about this album. Um, well, one of the things I like about this album, um, I don't think Will could really complain about the mix of clean and harsh vocals because it's it just gels so well on this album that it's just fucking brilliant. When they do harsh black metal vocals, it sounds so fucking good. This is what I expect from everybody doing black metal now is, you know, these sound like Dark Throne 93 era fucking black metal vocals, but you can, they're well produced. You can hear them. They're sitting up on top of the mix and it's so fucking cool to hear that. It's just, it's tight. You know, actually in addition to that though, and this has, this is not utterly related to what you just said, but there are certain guys who sing in that fashion who have such a unique timber to their voice that they really are unique vocalists. I would call out, um, both Grudel or Gretel or whatever his name is. And like um, um, a bath is the same way to me. They have these real unique approach and it's just the way their throat's made probably. I don't know. Yeah. And, um, you and I like their voice. You know what I mean? Like it's not just a death vocal. It's a death vocal I like and it seems to have its own personality. Yeah, it's own person. That's perfect. That's a perfect way to put it. Yeah. And that's, so, that is so, they're one of those lucky bands where there's just like all these really cool ingredients let alone just the absolutely top-notch quality of the writing well yeah. they have they have four singers now because the yep. drummer that came in he sings his cleans are really good the keyboardists who replaced their other keyboardists who did all the cleans before his vocals are amazing yep. you know and then you gotta we all forget that ivar does their death vocal stuff when he when they go that direction he does a lot of them so they got four people singing now the only um, person not singing is Icedale. Yeah, you know, well, who was by the way the the other guy in metal who never wears a shirt? I was just uh, about to say. Which is weird because I've seen him in shirts recently. I'm like, what is going on? It must be like <laughs> freezing there. Exactly. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I I told George I said this album I'm so jacked because you know I've already I was already listening to three of the songs and George I want to listen to them. I know they're out there. I'm like, you gotta listen to these songs. They're fucking awesome. Yeah, I wanted to hear them all together. I know, especially the song Forest Dweller, that that part where they start with that kind of early Pink Floydish kind of folky thing. And then you hear the drums come in out of nowhere. They sound so out of place. And then they just rip into this amazing black metal section. Um, and I kept saying, this fucking song is amazing. Then the album comes out and then like George City here in context. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I lost my train of thought. They're off the charts. Oh, mm-hmm. I told myself I was happy for the album, but I'm also, this album's kind of bumming me out because my year's over for one, probably. Mm-hmm. We'll see. It's going to mm-hmm. be tough. He won the year 
E won the podcast the year it came out. Yeah. Heimdall did not win the podcast, but it. Well, because it hasn't come out yet. Yeah. Good guard didn't, but it was up there. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, excuse me. Thanks. (laughs) But I was telling him, I say, there's a band that I love. uh, George, you surprised me in your semi inebriated state last time because you you were really funny. You were like, I'm I'm feeling pretty good. Then I mentioned the band Ice Age. You're like, wait a minute. I know that band. Yeah. I don't know if you remember that. I do. I, I was not. Okay. I was pretty drunk. But, <clears throat> no, no, I remember you, like, you all of a sudden just like, I know that band. And I'm like, wait a minute. Well, that's because I like bought that CD like 20 years ago and like never heard ago. of the band again. Yeah. Well, that's because they disappeared. Anyway, they have an album coming out. And I was like, really bummed. I was like, I was really hoping this would be my help of the month. And now this is no chance. Uh-huh. So doors always open for a different number one. But mm-hmm. I don't know. For me, it's going to be tough. Yeah. I like that you mentioned the folk thing, John, because that's probably where I was going when I said the psychedelic, because it's like there's psychedelic, there's folk, there's other elements of metal, like subgenre elements that oh, yeah. just take in and they enslave them. I want to say they black metal them, but it's not the same thing. They enslave them. Can I just say and so far nobody's said enslaved? Enslaved. We're saving that. Exactly. For yeah. your end. Uh, you know, and the other thing too is... Um, they, they are incorporating a lot of the psychedelic stuff. Like, you know, if you listen, go back to like Monumentum, there's a lot of that on that album yes. and they've kind of sprinkled it throughout, but there seems to be a little extra on this one. I don't know what you guys thought. A little extra I, mustard. I, Agreed. A little extra. Mm-hmm. So. Great poupon. Yeah. Another, another knife into the, into the jar. So. Mm-hmm. I'm going to grab a beer. Yeah. Right. I'm going to do the same thing. You're listening to the Metalheads podcast. Don't you have any self-respect? All right, let's move on to our next new release, which is a band called Host, and the album's called Nine. And this is the first album from a band featuring Nick Holmes and Gregor McIntosh of Paradise Lost. So if you're hoping for doom, though, look elsewhere. This is not doom. This is not even really metal. it's electronic and clean vocals gothic synth gothic synth wave and uh it's pretty cool i like it i do what do you think think john yeah i think it harkens back to their was it host and believe in nothing period yes paradise loss um so I, i george told us we had this in the box a while ago and i didn't get to it till this afternoon for the first time. Um, so think all your classic bands in this era of that type of music. Like, I, I, you hear a little Depeche Mode type influences, yeah. but I will say like the opening track and a few others sound like Paradise Lost songs stripped down without the metal guitars and the heavy bass. It's that they have, if, if you put the guitars on top of them, it would sound like Paradise Lost type songs. Like one second kind of. A little bit. Yeah. Which was kind of cool because I was like, Oh, this is kind of even better now than I thought because it's stripped down. Yeah. And I think our friend, Dan, um, Clancher said the same thing. I think he said he was digging the album. Yeah. That seems like the kind of thing he would like. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was cool. I have to give it more spins to see if it'll have any staying power with me because I don't generally listen to this type of stuff. It's not really eligible for a lister, but you know, still, I mean, and speaking of which Depeche Mode has a new album coming out. With uh, two of them now, right? Two main people in the band left. Yeah, yeah. One of the guys died not too long yeah. ago. Yeah. So, 
Um, I don't know. It's cool. I mean, I know uh, for Jay and Matt, they don't give a crap because these guys are from uh, Paradise Lost. But you know, I don't know. Maybe they might like it. I don't know. They they just got up and walked away. I guess. I guess that. They, I don't know. They literally both at the same time hit mute on their on their mics as we went to this uh, album. So and they're both eating yeah. chips. They got to be in the same room. I literally, for people who can't actually see us, but nobody can. Um, when we got to this one, I got made a sandwich just now. <laughs> I don't know. You guys might dig it uh, if you're looking for a palate cleanse or something different. Have you listened? Either of you? I think I've gone through it once. And honestly, the whole thing that was resonating in my head was like, I left after two beers. So I don't think I gave it really the uh-huh. <clears throat> time that it deserves. So uh, I'll keep it on the list to spin. Subconsciously, you knew this was Paradise Lost and you just had to put it down. Yeah. Walk away. What, was, guys. what was the other band that Gregor McIntosh had? Stragoy. 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 I feel like I saw them live and yeah. uh, you left. No, I didn't leave, but I didn't love it. He was, uh, like, I think that's a great album. This, I thought the album was good. I thought seeing them live was uh, medium, but again, that's kind of the mindset I was in. So I just needed to stop being a bitch and just go listen to it. Stop being so bitchy. <laughs> anyway. All right. All right. Well, let's move on then to Insomnium and their ninth album, Anno 1696. Some Finnish mellow death. Not really <clears throat> a style that I've been into for quite a while. Um, though I've I've listened to Insomnium since the band began, um, off and on. And uh, I will say that I did listen to this thing front to back. And, you know, for what it is, it's good. It's not, like I said, the style that I'm really going to reach for. But when I put it on, I didn't turn it off. Yeah, I'm not a fan of Mellow Death that much either. Even though I have a few bands I like, like Bellacore like a little bit. Yeah, uh, cool. some of the Some of the uh, In Morning early stuff was a little Mellow Deathy, but they still do some other things. Um, and I, Winter's Gate, I think was my number three when that came out in 2016. I love that album, but that was like their kind of prog album now for them. Uh-huh. And I listened to this and I was like, first time I was like, oh, I'll give this a spin because I got nothing else to listen to right now for this coming up week. Yeah. And I dug it on the first spin. I've been spinning this thing. And I'm like, fuck, I actually like this album a lot. It's, it's not like the early stuff. See, I, I don't like... I don't know how you guys feel about Mel Death. I don't like when they're constantly got that guitar, the guitar soloing during the choruses and the verses, and it just gets a little repetitive. And after a while, like, dude, it's like the guy, it's like the metal bands that have the, like, they play the acoustic piano over metal riffs. And after a while, you're like, all right, it was cool. Like the first 47 songs we can, we can stop now. Yeah. So, but this one I thought was really well balanced for their sound. Um, I like it. So, it, it may contend to this month for me, actually, too. I hear Mellow Death's making a comeback. <laughs> and they're definitely one of the better bands if you like that kind of music. So We'll turn it up. I have not spun it yet, but I plan to. <clears throat> All right, next we have the second album for Megaton Sword, Might and Power, a Swiss epic heavy metal band that if... Marcusan was here. I know he would enjoy, or at least, well, I, although I don't know, we were talking the other day and it, it, I wasn't entirely sure his take on it, but in the past, anyway, he's more excited about something else. He was just yeah. like, it's not my album of the month, but yeah, but it's actually the third, second full length, third release. Really? 
least. Second yeah. full length, yes. Yeah. Um, and I this this their last one is my number one record of whatever year that was, two years ago or something. I'll say what John P. I've only heard listened to it once, but John PT heard it three times before I had the chance to. And my first assessment is matches his, which is some of what's on there is better than anything else they've ever done, and some of what's on there is not as good as some of the other stuff. So, I thought it started pretty high. strong, um, and then a little towards the middle, it was just kind of okay. I haven't finished it yet, <laughs> so I don't know how it ends. Don't tell me the ending. I think I need to wait to truly say what I think about it. But at this moment, I think it fits in between the other two. It's mm-hmm. better than the first one. Maybe doesn't get quite as good as the second one. But but I'm also going to kind of hold off on my final thoughts. I've only heard it once. I just like his voice so much. Their strong mm-hmm. structures are kind of weird in the best kind of way. And uh, and yet it's like utterly traditional and stuff. I don't know. It's, it's so Jay, Jay, I got a question for you about them. Uh, I haven't latched on to them as much as you guys have. I know at least you and Marcus on, um, are, are really high in them. And I, li- I like the last album, but I never gravitated to them. So they kind of fall in this weird space between traditional metal and kind of a, they're, they're not East or European power metal. They're more U S power metal. They have that vibe to their sound, but they kind of don't do either one all the way. And there, there is a slight difference between just regular traditional metal and this U S power metal. It seems like they kind of weave in and out of those two a lot in their sound. I know we're cutting fine lines here, but it's what I we do. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why I think my issue with the album was I, I didn't dislike it. I, I thought it was pretty good, but I felt like they kind of, they veered a lot between the two. And I, I know a suspicion about it though. And it's, it's merely a suspicion. Um, first off, um, I, I think, I think they live in a weird bubble and I think it's not really influenced by anything. It's influenced by the stuff they like. But I think they were just, it's just what comes out when they play. I don't think it's a nod to traditional metal at all. I think this is just kind of what they wanted to do. It's fairly neutral. I don't know, I don't know how to explain it, except that it also has this weird X factor to mm-hmm. it to me, which is partially his voice, the power with which he delivers some of the material. And then, um, and the mic. And it's deeply basic. I mean, it's there's nothing proggy about it by any strong. Oh, sense. no, no. it, it Yeah, and, and that's why I made sure to say u.s power metal because i know george and i have had conversations about this but there is a big difference between u.s power metal and and european power metal. they're two different worlds Uh completely the singer's phrasing is so weird and different and the Mm temper of his voice is so odd i don't know what it is they have they have an extra magic x factor to me and i don't know if you know this but all their records take place in the same fictitious fantasy world that they've created so they're delusional Yeah, <laughs> or they're just very good writers. <laughs> um, I, and also, I feel like their stuff is sort of like in this weird minor key. The vocalist approaches it, and they don't really have these big, huge, um, shouty choruses, which would be more of an American thing. Yeah, that's what that's what I do like about them is that it, it's just him. And if there are backing vocals, they're kind of balanced better, I think. Without there are no gang singing on them, which I actually yeah. did like. Yeah. And no, and, and, and not even really like too many um, cut and dry actual courses where it's sort of right. like, like we will, we will rock. You know, it's yeah. just none of that. There's none of that. It's just like this weird thread of narrative that goes through the whole song. Mm-hmm. I think the guy's, he's a little eccentric and, and some about it really works, but 
I would like to hear them live because I felt like the guitars were a little muted on this one compared to the last one. And I'm not at all heart, uh, banging on the album. I thought it was pretty good. I'd just like to see them live because I bet they sound better live or at least heavier live. I felt this like- one also, John, the tones are a little more processed on the guitars, which I actually was not super thrilled about. Okay, so I, I so I did get something like that. Okay, good. I mean, it's like just a me. Mesa Boogie Mach 4 type sound-ish, which... It's a weird step beyond the traditional thing they kind of have done. So whatever, but um, it, there's no way it's not going to be on my year end oh, list. It I, just I, remains I, to be seen how high. Yeah, I, I figured this is going to do yeah. well on our list. So yeah. and rightfully yeah. so. It, I, again, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, there's a lot of bands that do a traditional metal kind of thing, and and some of them are really good, mm-hmm. and some of them are really average. Not so good. <laughs> or, or or even not so good and yeah i i think megaton sword is one of those bands that just they they just do it right actually and i have here's my very brief theory about that a lot of those guys like eternal champion and stuff no offense but i'm telling you it's a little tongue-in-cheek to them they they, they think what they're doing is a little bit funny mm-hmm. these guys fucking believe in what they're doing like they are totally into this they think well, that's because of that whole extra new world that they created in their head and they're yeah they're invested at it from, exactly they're not, <laughs> they're not looking down at it from an intellectual superior punk rock fucking perspective they fucking love it they're mm-hmm. raising yeah. trailer parks like we were and this is the fucking music that i've given well look if if you're gonna walk around with a sword that weighs more than the five band members combined body weight you're gonna take your shit very serious and you're gonna you're gonna be yeah you're not gonna tongue-in-cheek it because that sword is huge one of the guys name his band name is like Chris the Axe. Yeah. I can't remember. And they sent me an autographed copy because I asked for him to autograph my copy. And it says Chris the, and he drew a picture of that. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Very cool. Yeah. I, I suspect it'll it'll fare very well on our mid and year end list. I would think so. So next up, we have the new Ulthar third and fourth albums. Anthronomicon, Helionomicon. I feel like the ocean's lurking around yeah, somewhere. Gonna, yeah, did somebody from the ocean join the band? Did Rob? Did Rob from the ocean join? Yeah, they're a U.S. like Black Death band, and uh, you know, I've I've heard their stuff before. I was never like dragged in and like, oh wow, this is great. And it was just sort of a yeah, this is cool. Um, but I listened to both of these albums en route to On DC. The way to Alice. On the way to Atlas, uh, where uh, where we met up with Matt and uh, John and Will and Aaron, and uh, <clears throat> I was like, "Damn, you know, uh, the vocals are extreme vocals." I, I you know, I, there's nothing spectacular about that, but the music is pretty damn good. And I got there at to Atlas, and I was telling John about you know what I listened to on the right end, and he was like, "So which one did you like better?" Because one <laughs> album is like I don't know what, like eight songs. Yeah, and one's two. And the other one's two. And I expected, when I noticed the difference in, in lengths, I was like, okay, so this one's like two 20-minute songs, and there's like eight regular-length songs on this other one. I assumed that the, the one with eight tracks would be the one I liked more. But oh. so far, uh, what is it? Uh, Helionomicon is the one that's grabbing my attention. Me too. It's the same for me. And I, yeah, I was talking to uh, James Lewis from Decibel, uh, and it was the other way for him. So it's interesting. Yeah, I'm. I have the same history with them as you. I the first two I was like, yeah, 
the last one I know people liked, and I was like, hey, this is better than the first. And then uh, I listened to these shows, like, I like these considerably more than the other ones. I don't know how they'll stay with me, but I was like, yeah, I could go back to these every so often and 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 see if they're going to stick with me for the year. Yeah, I, I'm I, definitely going like to have to do that. Yeah, I, but this takes time because it's a lot of music. Um, yeah, you know, so, but I, they're cool. I think they're it's pretty good. I, I think they're going to blow up now with mm-hmm. this. Yeah. So twenty bucks spend's got another winner in their hands. Yeah. I mean, they've already had them, but this one I think is going to set this this band apart now. I've only given them like an initial spin, and I. I hate to say it, but I've developed a bit of laziness with out, or, uh, labels like 20 bucks spin mm-hmm. in the sense of I know that anything they put out, I'm probably going to like. And so I just kind of set it aside and don't give it its due time. But uh-huh. especially after, <clears throat> George, you mentioned Atlas, like, hey, I had time to listen to both these albums. And <laughs> admittedly, I was confusing them with Olver for a second. Ah. And I went back and listened to them like, oh, shit, this isn't newer Olver for sure. Um Sounds really good, but definitely worthy of uh, more of a deep dive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Speaking yeah. of deep dives, after that enslaved conversation, I really want to come back and just like listen to everything front to back. Mm-hmm. Totally. It's been a long time since I've heard some of those. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know if Jay had anything to say. I guess he had to make another sandwich. So why don't we, since Jay's not drinking, why don't we do another round of uh, what we're drinking? There you go. Since we all got beers. All right. Matt, what you got to drink? I am pouring another Belgian. It is a Saturnalia ale from OEC Brewing. Nice. So um, I got myself a little right up. I made myself a little monster in Minneapolis, and I'm loving it. (laughs) (laughs) Please do not age. Please recycle things. Saturnalia is our interpretation of a Belgian Trappist-style quad. It is brewed using authentic Belgian Pilsner, pale ale, special B, and caramel. It is hopped with laurel and styrian golding in the boil to balance that massive malt body. Finally, the beer undergoes a warm fermentation using classic Belgian Trappist yeast strain. Mm. I haven't touched it yet, but I'm sure it will be amazing. Oh, I like hearing that. John, what you got? So maybe I'm starting a trend here, at least for Matt and I. Maybe I yep. get the, the rest of you to do this. I'm also drinking another Belgian beer. And this is not some new fat. I absolutely love these things. But I've kind of like you guys with Enslaved, I kind of took a step back for a couple of years. Now I'm back in full force. I'm drinking a classic Golden Drock. Oh, nice. But it's the 9,000 quadruple it's an amber quad which you know see look look at the amber Uh, amber waves of gold amber waves um yeah this is good is a very well-known name Uh uh they make good stuff and uh i can drink a lot of these (laughs) and they are they're big they're big kids on the block in terms of abvs but just so good. Nice. So John, in, in Jay's absence, how do you feel? So using that time, how do you feel about barley wines? Love them. Okay. I'm just, Love it's, been about, it's been about three years and I have been just gangbusters on Belgians and barley wines. I love barley wines because bar, barley wine is, first of all, it's like, it's an old dinosaur of beers. Now people don't care about them because all these hipsters with their little buns and their little trimmed beards and their fake flannel shirts and their little capri pants. I'm sorry if that's you. Uh, 
that's a figure, you know, a, you know, internet you, um, but yeah, barley wines are outstanding. It's a beer that you have to take your time with. Yeah. It's, um, it's like your favorite band. It comes out with a new album and you're like, what are they doing here? And you got to spin it like nine times just to grasp it. That's what a barley wine is. But once you get hooked. Once you drink nine of them. Yeah. The thing well, is like with the barley well, you can drink eight like, too. I mean, that's okay. <laughs> Here's the thing. If it's a hundred degrees out, you can still drink a barley wine. I'm not going to be drinking this stout when it's a hundred degrees out. You can. Same thing with the Belgium. Right. You're gonna see. You're gonna sweat a little bit, though. <laughs> you're gonna sweat a little. Uh, if if you can, um, if you can get the Sukaba from Firestone Walker, it is just. I can't even. It's so good. The barrel aging on it is just outstanding. Sweet. So Me Sukaba, you Sukaba. Yeah, it used to be called, <laughs> and I think it, it used to originally be called Abacus, and I think they flipped the name over on oh, it. So interesting. Um, that oh. one's outstanding. I love barley wines. I wish I wish more breweries made them, but yeah. you know, yeah. it's everything is like a pastry stout now or a hazy oh. IPA, which kind of just that's why George, you saw my message when you when you said, "Oh yeah, look at this cool name for this beer. It's a milkshake IPA," and I was like. Yeah, you're not buying that, right? No, nope. like, well, I'm not buying this. <laughs> no, but I did buy something else from them. Um, but the, it was uh, from Nepente Brewing, uh, at which first caught my eye because Nepente is the name of a song from Sentenced. And, uh, and Opeth. Yes. And uh, it, was a, it was a milkshake stout, and it was called, What Did You Do, Ray? Which, of course... <laughs> And is a line from Ghostbusters, and it had a picture of like a demonic marshmallow man on there, and I was like, "Oh, that's so cool!" But I'm not buying that. No, <laughs> um, no. But I did get something else from Nepente, and I've previously on here I've had their Alpaca Fracas, which is a double IPA. This is their Alpaca Ruckus, which is Ooh. a triple IPA, and these fuckers look mad. They're like. Fuck your shit up. Yeah, these are like zombie alpacas. So, and, uh, you know, it doesn't say on there whether it was hazy or not. I was giving the guys at the store grief because they kept trying to sell me hazies. And I was like, no, nah, man, I want a West Coast. But it didn't say. And I was like, it's probably a hazy. And it is, but it's still good. <laughs> so, I just, Jay, I know you're going to disappoint me when I ask you this, but are they even referring to traditional IPAs in California as West Coast IPAs now? Because that's, that's, you know, Oregon, Washington, and California. That's what the West Coast, like, those are the original IPAs. You just call them IPAs and like non-douchey the IPAs? They're, they're, the, they're the, first, the early ones that started that got real big were out there. So. I do see it. I do see it on some things, but now it's good. I think it's sort of like, which kind of makes sense if you think about it, because they're like, you're here. We don't need to tell you where you're at. So, I know. <laughs> as weird as that sounds. I mean. Because I did get some Pliny and stuff a week or two ago. Do they ha- does Russian River have a hazy? I think they do no. now. No, well, they, they did. didn't. I they might. They... Well, I, if they have, if they have it, I haven't seen it, but it might not be possible. Oh, good. I hope. It, I hope it's somebody else. I'm thinking of that. Good. Which, by the way, we are coming up on younger days. Was that, uh, was that February? I thought that was maybe it's either February or May. Have oh, you ever my. had younger? Nope. I've had it once. My really? my our friend Ben who uh, is now working at the Grand Canyon. He works for the uh, Park Service. He, he, um, 
he called me up and Jen was out of town and he just real quick, he called me and said, Hey, I got some beers when I was out in California. Cause he used to be, he used to work at uh, Yosemite, I think. How the fuck did he get it though? I know. Yeah, I know he got but a because he's, he's really good friends with someone who owns a bar out in that area. And I don't know how he got them. He says, come on, I got some good stuff. He even had Kern river. And I was like, Oh my God, it's amazing. And he brought out Pliny and he had younger and he put it right in front of me. And I just literally, froze like do you remember remember indiana jones when he's like with the fingers like this and he's measuring the weight of the bag before yeah. he swaps it out right. like i was just like looking at him i was just i was running my fingers like and i felt like this just gigantic light behind me lighting them up and i was just like that's a bottle of plenty the younger and it was everything it's built up to it was yeah it was fucking incredible um the hazy thing it depends on where you go here, but it's not as crowded with hazies as it was six months ago. That's a good reason like to live in store. California. It depends. Some stores it's all hazy, but um, you know, there's a few different places I go to get my stuff in. Yeah, I think it's maybe starting to fade here a little bit. Well, the stuff that Luch always gets for us that he brings down for all the metal fests. I mean, that's that stuff is all good because that's yeah. all the originals. But everyone's making like these crazy milkshake hazy IPAs. I'm like. I don't even know what that is. Let's do our last new release. And this is the uh, fifth album from Venomous Concept. It's called The Good Ship Lollipop. And this is a multinational um, band. Um, I don't really know what to call them stylistically. Uh, It features members of Napalm Death, Brutal Truth, and Cancer. Um, Previously, I would have called these guys a grindcore band. However, this album is not remotely grindcore. It's still heavy, but it's got like clean vocals. Um, and uh, a lot of the vocals, I was talking to James earlier. Um, this this album, by the way, is the first full album, studio album released by Decibel Records. You know, oh, cool. You know, Decibel releases the flexies all the time, every month, and and they did do a, a Dead Guy live album last year, but uh, this is the first full studio album from Decibel Records. So, congrats to those guys for doing nice. this, and and with such a cool band too. And anyway, I was talking to James about it because I was like, "Where's the grind? It's not grind. It's it's definitely more punkish." The first um, one was grinding, wasn't it? This is their fifth album, and they've all been okay. pretty grindy. Um, I mean, it's like, you know, Brutal Truth, Napalm Death. What are you going to get? Grind. But this is way more accessible. And I told James, I said, the vocals remind me. Initially, they reminded me of Ministry, Al Jorgensen. And then I got Rob Zombie. And he was like, yeah, somebody else wrote that, too. And I, I looked it up, and I found it. And somebody else in a review said it the vocals are reminiscent of Rob Zombie. So clearly not grindcore, but at the same time, this is not like pop sellout weirdness. It's, it's just kind of undefinable to me is like, is it's kind of punky, but it's definitely metal kind of catchy sometimes. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I was kind of disappointed when I first heard it. Uh, well, so I broke the Enslavid rule and I listened to some of the, the, the tracks that came up before the album and I was very confused and I didn't understand. <laughs> and then I listened to the album and I was like, all right, well, it's all like this. 
And, and James said, eh, it takes like two or three listens to get it. And I think it only took me two, two. And I was like, all right, well, I don't, I'm not entirely sure what this is, but it's really fucking cool. And since this is the first release from decibel records, studio release, uh, full album, you should pick it up. Now I'm guessing nobody here has listened to this. Crickets. I have not. Honestly, no. No, I'm such a Napalm death fan, but I've never really put my finger on these guys. I mean, if you like Napalm death, you should at least like the previous venomous concept albums. Yeah. I, well, I think I listened to snippets of that one when you, cause I think you, it might've been your album of the month or something once upon a time. I yeah, remember. probably. They've always been on my radar. I just have not taken time to listen to this beast yet. Yeah. I mean, if you listen to something like uh poison apple from like, I think it's like our second album. That's a lot more like napalm death. Um, and uh, they, they did a, uh, what was it? Uh, what was the last album called? It was, it was a Trump related thing. It was like politics and the oh, erection yeah. or something like yeah. that. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but, and when we're saying napalm death, are we saying Shane Embry? Of course we are. Who's in Venom's concept. Okay. Yes. It's Shane and, the, and uh, Kevin, too? Kevin, well, the, the drummer used to be in Venom's concept. He's not okay. now the, the guy okay. from cancer is the drummer now, I think. Okay. Um, and, uh, Kevin, Sharp. Kevin Sharp from Brutal Truth. From Brutal Truth, yeah. yeah. Right on. And, uh, and both That's Kevin amazing. and Shane do vocals on here. Oh. And I'm sorry. You know what, George, I'll, I'll stick my, my head in the window and see what I think. Yeah. I'd be curious to know. <clears throat> I, I, you know, and despite it not being what I thought it was going to be, I still like it. And, you know, a lot of people, well, um, if, they, if an album comes out and it's not what they expect it to be, they're just like, fuck you, you suck. Uh, but I, I said, well, it's not like they went and did a, you know, uh, motionless and white album or, a or a Parkway drive album or something. It's still heavy. It's just sure. not what I expected. It, and it's certainly more accessible and catchy, but it's pretty heavy too. So check it out. Shane Embry must just sit and write guitar riffs from the, yeah. the time he gets up to the time he goes to bed for the, the sheer volume of his output. Although yeah. He's got, to he's including got, just the amount of riffs that appear in any given Napalm death song. I mean, he's got two kids now though. So well, they so probably prolific. help him. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Daddy needs some riffs. Yeah. So prolific. And, 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 and so prolific that he needs obviously outside outlets to, to it's crazy. It's crazy. Little child all the time. Brought me a bass riff, please. Well, and I, he, I think child. he does guitar on this one too. Does he? Yeah. Little child, write me a guitar riff. Yeah. Make it sound like Deep Purple, <laughs> but with grind. Daddy, I wrote some more. <laughs> I, I, I doubt anybody listened to it, but me. But that um, isolated um, Richie Blackmore on um, mm-hmm. Highway Star yeah. Track was yeah. so cool, dude. Like, yeah. I don't know if you saw, but the link was actually to this article that said. Here's what she's isolated guitar track, and he's even better than we thought he was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's exactly true if you listen to it. It is so good, and in some places, so far ahead of its time. But the, Jay, this is my response. Fucking Blackmore. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, it's funny because having um, he, he's he's one of like my big five, you know, and yeah, mm-hmm. totally, and um. And it's funny because with Jeff Beck dying recently, I was thinking, who also is in my big five, how much different I'll feel when it's Richie Blackmore because there's two things that play there. One is he's amazing, and two is he's a complete prick. And three is he's amazing. Yeah. yeah. You know? <laughs> 
So it'll just be so interesting to see how differently I feel when he goes. Plus, he's really. This is BBC. We're covering Richie Blackmore's funeral today, and well, so far nobody's showed up. (laughs) I like with Blackmore, and again, you know, you guys know where I am in the timeline of life and metal and all that jazz. But like, I really struggle to dislike Blackmore based on the fact that he's a prick because some of the stuff he does is just so good. I mean, Rainbow is so good. He's a but I, I, I mean, it's just him in no way in my eyes. Yeah, but I skip ahead to him now, and he's like this slightly old, decrepit person. And I, I put right, that in music. he's not, but it's like, you know, he's got this like 30-year-old girlfriend, and they're making Candace. music together. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you bastard. Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> I think you that know, it's it funny. We'll get to our lists, but yeah. it, it's relevant to our list that he's one of the guys that I have never seen. Sure. Would love to see, but you mm. can't even see him in the right context anymore because he just does yeah. the Blackmore's Black night. Thing and I, and like that doesn't tub. count to me. So that's, uh, that, that boat passed me by. I never had a chance. Yeah. You know, I did. It could have been my first concert. Deep Purple was coming to town for the Perfect Strangers. And I was like, Mommy, Daddy, can I please go see Deep Purple? And they were like, No. And so it wasn't my first concert. But I wanted to go. <laughs> so there's no post on Sunday. You can't go. <laughs> if you don't eat great. your meat, you can't have any pudding. How can you have any pudding if you don't eat your meat? Easily one of my top three reunion records, dude. Fuck, that's a good record. You know, and I, I, love, I, I love Perfect Strangers. I was telling you guys today over over message uh, on Ozzy's Boneyard, they have these little uh, like snippets between songs where like the DJ people will say stuff, and he's like, "Here's a little uh, interview clip uh, from Ian Gillian from uh, Deep Purple," and I and I've heard this several times now, and I'm like, "It's not Gillian, you fucking dipshit." It's Gillen, Ian Gillen, Gillian. Dude should be like, fired for saying that. Seems like Gillen at ad ass. Exactly. Ass hat. I know. Right. I got Actually, the joke I eventually. I was driving. Know. Give me a break. I was like, I was like what the I'm so oh, I didn't you were driving. I was like, how can he not get that joke? I'm I was driving because I heard it on the radio. <laughs> I'm glad you brought him up though, George, because I did get to see him. So I saw Ian Gillen the same person. So that's something. Anyway. Yes, yeah, I've seen here. that twice. Yeah, twice. Yeah. He actually was okay when George and I saw him. I thought he, mm-hmm. you know, wasn't he great, yeah. but he still had majority of his stuff he had. He couldn't do his highs anymore. I saw him back yeah, in the you know, 90s, too. Child in, yeah. child in time has been sung for the last time. Yeah. yeah. No con- no congas. You know, that, you know, I wanted to see the congas. <laughs> I got to see the congas in 98, you know, so. Well, he had to do that while the, uh, you know, twiddly widdly was going on. He, <laughs> <laughs> he didn't have anything to do for six and eight minutes at a time. Hey, at least he didn't walk yeah. off stage pissed because, like, I got to disappear for 12 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so. Like, yeah. All right. Hey, what are we listening to? Oh. What are we listening to? tracks oh, on the yeah. upcoming album i am loving what i hear 
uh, <clears throat> as well as cattle decapitation. We eat our young, as I believe the only track out so far, but looking forward to that May release. Uh, a band called Ignominy. Uh, I believe they will be in, like, they potentially could be a pretty solid tech death entry. I don't know when the album comes out. I don't have the Probably it doesn't. They're made up, aren't they? No. Maybe. Yes. Maybe. Okay. <laughs> uh, also, uh, Tithe, Inverse Rapture, has been pretty solid. I've been listening to the two Alter tracks moderately. Need to do a deep dive. Uh, a band called Hexer. They have now called Abyssal. Really good. Hellripper. Hellripper. Listen to one track. Kind of liked it. Listen to the whole album. Loved it. Um, also, Chrome Waves has a new album coming out. Earth Will Shed Its Skin. I listened to the first track off of that. Um, so, much like 20 Bucks Spin, I Avoid Hanger is, an, is a label that I feel like anything they put out, I should at least listen to. Two bands... A temporal. They have an upcoming release called Thorn Genesis, as well as uh, a split from the conditioned and cemented. Both of those are worth listening to. Um, I mean, if anything, they're just weird. And when I say weird, um, I'm talking about something like Esoc Trillium weird, which weird but really good. Uh, a band called Fester Decay. They have an album called Reality Rotten at the Core complete carcass worship and because carcass is my band i worship uh-huh. uh a band called hypnose where the s is a five they have a called shield kind of dug that uh something from yesterday Mormon and the album is wastelands kind of dug that megaton sword uh i've only listened to it once liked it want to listen to it more <clears throat> one i know you mentioned yesterday john omega infinity Dude, that's only fucked listened, up. Only listened to it slightly, but I like what I heard. <laughs> that, that Why is it fucked, fucked up? up but it fucked is up. like, it's like you're getting, it's like uh, space black metal as you're getting sucked into a black hole. As, and, and the thing is, the first thing I thought of was like the cover says yes. it all. Yeah. It's really says it all. Really unique stuff. Mm-hmm. It's huh. the, one guy from Nay Abla Vascaris. Is that okay. how you say the name of the band? Yeah. It's one of the guys from the band. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, also, Wretched Fate has an album called Carnal Hearsay, and then Big Brave Nature Mortar, also off of the uh, new release path. Uh, I felt like I saw something from Atlas Moth on camp, so I went back and listened to their catalog. Like, I am totally an Ache for Distance guy. Like, I like Coma Noir, but me at Ache for Distance, Old Believer, even their first album, which I cannot think of the name of. Um, like, I really love Como Noir, but I feel like they kind of got rid of some of the psychedelic elements that were present on an I feel like we haven't heard from them in a long time. Yeah, I feel like it's been a while. 2017, 2016. Mm-hmm. So wow. I, I think, you know, hopefully what whatever they did on Bandcamp was like a precursor to that they have an album coming out. So um, that's me in a nutshell. All right. Mm-hmm. John. Cool. All right. So we've already mentioned some of these. So Enslaved, Insomnium. Make it on sword, spun all those, been spinning the enslaved and insomnium a lot. Um, I will not be able to pronounce the name of this band because it is, I think this might actually be Matt's band. They admit they made this name up, they, <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. So, however, it's pronounced is how it's pronounced. Yeah, uh, it, I'm gonna do my best. I, I'm butchering this for what I think it might be, but uh, Kara Utse, 
their album is called Nocturnes of the Incarcerated. It's a progressive death band from Germany. I thought it was a pretty cool listen. I've listened to it two or three times. I might go back to it again, so we'll see. Um, the new Soul Mass came out earlier in the month, Let Us Pray. Yes. Third album, Death Doom Band from Florida, which features Brett Winnagle of La Scales Shroud. We've all bought some of their stuff. Some of us have. Uh, it's cool. I like them. I actually think I might like Soul Mass a little more. I don't know. It depends on what the release is. He, he's a very prolific. Um, Soul Mass sounds heavier. Yeah. yeah. And it's Death Doom, but it seems deathier. I don't know this time around. Um, so it's cool. Um, let's see. Void Ceremony out of nowhere dropped a new oh, song yeah. yesterday. Right what the fuck? Yeah. Was, I get more than all their other stuff. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Jay, you might appreciate this. Maybe you won't, but I think you might. Went way down the rabbit hole on Mahavishnu Orchestra recently. I very much appreciate that. Yeah. Been spending, I mean, if you don't know them, they're probably one of the better well known fusion rock jazz bands. And wow. Yeah, so I spent a lot of time with them, especially the early period that featured Jan Hammer. If you don't know Jan Hammer, he played with Jeff Beck, but he's also the creator of Miami Vice theme song. Which is funny because he used to be a, a jazz fusion guy early on. So one of the only real guys that intimidated Jeff was John McLaughlin. And um, he does, what's the name of that fucking, one of the tracks on, um, on, um, Live with Ronnie Scott's is from Birds of Prey or from Birds of Fire. Anyway, um, I love the Mahavishnu stuff. It's fucking great. Um, yeah. John, um, he also he has a he's a real not super active Facebook guy, but he posts on Facebook. He's such a nice guy, and he's out there touring, man. He's he's playing constantly. God, he's got to be in his mid seventies now. He looks good though. He's like, he, looks, yeah. he looks healthy and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I'm gonna start venturing into another. Um, Return to Forever, which is a Chick Corea offshoot, but that features another great guitarist, Al Demiola. So I've been down the fusion world. Um, and then I'm kind of bringing back my classic album thing for this part of the podcast. I just got recent reissues on vinyl of Amorphous Eclipse and Silent Waters. And so I spun Eclipse today and just, for me, that album is, that's my favorite Amorphous album. Um, it's the first one with their current singer who's now been with them for God, what almost 20 years. So um, that's, that's my spins recently. Uh, been trying to keep them close to the podcast date. I'm trying to keep all my listens to that because if I had to go back and tell you everything I was listening to, it would take forever. So I had a guitar player or guitar, guitar teacher in San Francisco, years back i keep in touch with him he's great fucking guitar player and makes his money playing guitar and i we were talking about players one time and i asked him like how does fucking i said how does john mclaughlin do that dude and he goes he's fucking bhagwan mahavishnu john dude he's like that's it i don't know (laughs) (laughs) he's like he's magic you know anyway yeah just unbelievable player and the whole band is amazing everyone's played with him is amazing so so, um, I've been listening to, uh, I always listen to stuff that gets posted to the thread. So a bunch of stuff there. And then, um, obviously the enslaved record, Megaton Sword record. They'll try not to beat either of those into the ground. Megaton Sword, I will, now that it's out, I'll listen to it a lot more. Um, and then a lot of stuff here and there. Um, but the honest truth is I'd be lying if I didn't say 
even since the last podcast, the thing I've listened to more than anything else is Jetpack. I keep, I've just have been doing such a deep dive with him and, um, cause I didn't have his whole catalog, um, of stuff and I, I, it's getting worse. Cause now it's like the more I listen, the more I understand the subtleties of some of what he was doing and how hard it is and how nobody else can do it and how musical it is. What was the, what was this you talked about? So I've been listening to a lot of Jetpack and, you know, the, he's just, well, go ahead. The live show we talked about. Uh, oh, Ronnie Lane. Oh, not Ronnie Lane. Um, Ronnie Scott. Ronnie Scott. Yeah. Literally, like the sounds coming off his guitar felt so effortless, yet so like relevant. I mean, and the guests that came out, I mean, it was just such a fluid experience to listen to. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Thank you. It, for it sure. really I would have never cro- found it. <clears throat> it's a good cross section of his career. And also, I think in ways, it's my favorite band he ever played with because. Sure. They because they had to tone it down for that small space. Sure. Um, f- f- like I bought the video, John, for um, the Live at the Hollywood Bowl one. Yeah. Which is awesome. And he even plays some of the same tracks on it, but I just prefer that I've, they had to put this weird throttle on everything for that. So he stands out somehow more. Mm-hmm. It's funny when you stands. consider that, <laughs> excuse me, uh, Vinny Caluto's on drums and he's no slouch. I mean, that dude bangs away. Yeah. Um, oh, 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 I mean, I, I actually just mean sonically more than. Oh, I, no, I know. I mean, they, they did. They sort of had to. It, it's, it's a small room. Yeah. It's a small room. It's a small stage. And his, yeah, his band is awesome. In that. It's just I watched awesome. that again recently, the Ronnie Scott's one. And I sort of lost count of how many famous people are in there. Like Robert Plant was there. Jimmy Page was there. Even like, was there. Even like Imogene Heap, whom I've loved separately, but to have her come up and play with back, like, holy shit, this is amazing. Yeah, he got it, man. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I guess that all goes into me just saying that's honestly, I still just spent so much time with him and I'm more likely to put on Jeff Beck record right now than anything else. And, and, uh, whew, boy, I think I could play. I'm not passing it off to you, George. <clears throat> all right. Satan. So none of my, list has been mentioned um which is not surprising um because we're all very different and yet we are the same um so (laughs) my first one is a band called bizarre cult with a k all one word nice and uh their second album den top de kriegen uh they're a black metal band from norway via russia is what it says it's like they started out in russia now they're in norway um I, I feel like I saw somebody on our one of our Facebook posts talking about this. And uh, it was an interesting name, so I went and I checked it out. Uh, and it's some really damn good black metal. I mean, this is like, it's not going to be my album of the month, but it's definitely a contender. Um, so, you know, check this out. Um, next up is a band called Conjureth. And their second album, The Parasitic Chambers, they're a death metal band from San Diego. Nothing out of the ordinary here. It's just some cool death metal. Um, Then, uh, so recently I watched a movie, and it was called Elvis. And so then I read a book about Elvis called The Last Train to Memphis. Shit, I forgot. I think that's what it's called, Last Train to Memphis. Uh, which documents Elvis's life from birth through when he went to Germany uh, in the army. Uh, And so needless to say, I've been listening to a lot of Elvis Presley 
I listened to the first album, uh, based on recommendations from my bros. I also listened to the comeback special. Um, and I've been just listening to various and sundry singles of, as they come up throughout the book. And, uh, I am now definitely firmly in the Elvis Presley believer camp. Nice. So he's the real deal, man. I mean, he, he, he's been turned into a punchline, but that's not, not who he was. And, um, I would really like to recommend, that's why I'm cutting in here. I apologize. No, it's quite HBO did a, probably what must be the definitive, um, documentary about him. It's called the searcher. Mm-hmm. And I highly recommend it. It'll walk you through his career in the best way. And you'll understand him better than you've ever understood him and blah, blah, blah. It's you so know, funny. so far anyway, obviously throughout the late fifties, dude seemed like a really nice guy, yeah. you know? It's like he he cared about his parents ridiculously, probably obsessively much. <laughs> and, you know, he, he loved his friends and wanted them all around him all the time, hence the Memphis Mafia. And, uh, you know, he just was not a dick and he wasn't racist either. He loved, uh, he grew up loving all the uh, the black gospel, gospel singers and blues. Love. Yeah. And, and it was actually his, his true love of music was gospel. Yeah. And it's like, pfft. In the fifties, a white, like famous, good-looking d- singer dude that wasn't racist. What? Um, so that was really cool to me. Um, and uh, I so obviously I haven't gotten to the second half of his life yet, but I was curious, and so I did some googling about how he died, and it just it still boggles my mind. I mean, as somebody who has known about Elvis all my life but was never really into it because he died when I was young. It seems like he was, you know, you see everybody talks about fat Elvis and it's like, oh, he was probably like at least in his like fifties or whatever. And he was only 42, which yeah. is ridiculous that yeah. the dude did so much before he was 42. And so I looked up how he died and everybody talks about, Oh, the King died on the shitter, you know, had a heart attack and died because he was fat and did drugs. But I, I read a, a medical report that said that he did die because of heart failure based on the drugs that were in his system, but they were all medically prescribed drugs and sure. all at reasonable levels. It was more of a Heath Ledger kind of thing where they just didn't, didn't you, you couldn't mix them. Yeah. Like he wasn't, abu- I mean, he may have been abusing them, but he was not taking them at above Good. prescription level recommended levels, yeah. but he was taking painkillers with Valium with de- yeah. antidepressants and, and it, it just killed him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's funny too. And you mentioned that he did so much, but the the irony is that this big chunk of his career that got cut out really, because he got signed into the stupid fucking movie contract by the Colonel and mm-hmm. was stuck at universal studios for 10 years. I mean, and all the music he made before that and after that is bitching. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The stuff he did during the movies is just popcorn bullshit. And if he'd had those 10 years to himself, that's why the comeback special was such a big deal. It's amazing. Like, fucking coming back. Yeah. <laughs> and they, they did that pretty well in the movie about how he just bucked the, bucked the Colonel and was like, I'm, I'm not playing these fucking Christmas songs. He didn't say fucking, I don't think. Um, but he's like, I'm not playing these Christmas songs. Freaking. I'm going to play these other things. And, uh, but he was so into the Colonel. Like, yeah. so like it was like a second father to him. And it's sad because the dude just fucking used him up and threw him away. 
and he didn't he, understand him. You know, he just he just he's he clearly just saw him as a product that that was marketable, and I don't think he even understood how talented he was. The guy was dripping with talent. These yeah. were the most talented musicians of the last hundred years. Yeah. For sure, I yeah. totally agree with that. I know this is the Elvis Heads podcast, but well, fucking a man. Yeah, it I'm, is. I'm it, it is tragic. Andy served his country. Yeah, and he did. George, I'm happy you jumped because Jay and I have been going on and on about that comeback special. Yeah, um, I, I listened to that because you guys, and I was like, "Damn, that's good." But he's in that leather outfit, <laughs> mm-hmm. and he starts sweating. I'm like, "Oh, this is gonna be good." Um, you should watch it too, George, if you haven't watched it. it. Uh, yeah, it's so yeah. and yeah. and that that uh, that uh, live video version of him singing um that the the song from uh dirty dancing uh oh uh unchained melody unchained melody mm-hmm. and and the the dude is standing there in front of the piano with the microphone and he's just fucking lighting that song up it was amazing That's and it was right. like one of the last performances he did that's right, and he looks terrible. There's no question about it. It's the fat Elvis, blah blah blah. But he is still that's the guy could sing like a fucking opera singer. Yeah, yeah. And that's a beautiful version of that song. Yeah, it's amazing. I've watched that that exact video a million times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, will say, I will say the greatest remix of any song ever. I stand by this hands down. Is a little less conversation. It is like the perfect song for just rolling into Las Vegas and running with that song. I don't know if you guys have ever, if you know the song I'm talking about. Not sure. Yeah. I just, yeah. Every time I hear it, like it's cowbell. Some, you know, it's <laughs> not blue or cold, you know, but um, yeah. I mentioned this to you too. And this would be my last recommendation, but one of the other things I really recommend is probably my favorite record of his, which is a live record called Prince from another planet. And it was after the comeback special, he did sort of a comeback tour and it's, um, he recorded, he was doing two, like two shows a day, like the afternoon and then a night show. There's two shows at Madison Square Garden. The best one is called The Prince from Another Planet. And it's like he does all the hits and he does like Suspicious Minds. And he does the American Trilogy. If you've never heard that, it's fucking amazing. He does, um, you never close your eyes anymore. That's not when I kiss your lips. That's Righteous Brothers thing. You've it's lost that love and feeling. He does that. It's, it's fucking so. There's nothing better than hearing him play Burning Love and Suspicious Minds and the white fucking jumpsuit. It's <laughs> the greatest thing you'll ever see. The Thin Elvis, the yeah. early, the early uh, Hawaii uh, tour stuff is just unreal. You know, one of the things I found interesting was all the well, the context for the, the era of the 50s. Because, you know, he started out on, on Sun and... Uh, and shortly after he started, there was this young upstart named Johnny Cash that came along and went was was like hanging out at the studio with him, and uh, Carl Perkins. Which, um, and uh, then one day they were in the studio and this kid came in to play piano, some guy named Jerry Lee Lewis. I don't know. Um, it's crazy what's going on back then. Yeah, and when he went out to uh, Los Angeles to uh, to be on the Milton Berle show. Um, he met this guy there named Nick who ended up being a friend of his and he'd hang out with Nick and his, uh, his roommate, a guy you might've heard of named Dennis Hopper. Mm -hmm. I'm like fucking Dennis Hopper hung out with Elvis. Dennis Hopper is in um, rebel without a cause. I mean, he, he hung out with fucking James. What's his fuck? James Dean. Yeah. 
Jeez. So, yeah, you know, as, as if Dennis Hopper could get cooler, apparently he can. Um, so, um, you know, he, yeah, that's, that's the thing about all this is you have to, you have to understand his context. That's part of it. And it's too hard to go backwards and go all that's happened since then. But just as one matter of example, um, if I can dream, this is the last song on the comeback special. Yes. The, the protest song, as they say. Well, that was added after, uh, Kennedy was uh, the second Kennedy was Robert assassin. Kennedy. Yeah. And they were like, are we going to fucking close this thing? Now it's tasteless and everything. And it's like going to air next week or something. And Ellis was like, I got you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was brilliant. He knew that song from, but he, it was his idea to do that. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Anyway. So obviously again, the context thing matters, you know? Yeah. Oh, uh, the other thing about the comeback special too is, you know, the Beatles, the Stones, all those guys were sitting in front of their TVs going, fuck, he's back. Oh, yeah, because they, 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 they were all fans of him. They were fans of Chuck Berry. Yeah. You know, Little Richard. All They were fans of all that stuff. They I loved they all of them. Out, man. You know they were all sitting in front of their television sets going, are you fucking watching this, dude? Yeah. And, you know, and based on him, that branched me out into other things that I listened to, like, uh, you know, Buddy Holly. Which, oh my God, how tragic is that? I mean, obviously we know the day music died, blah, blah, blah. Dude was only like 22. Unbelievably talented for his age. <laughs> you know, and, you know, they, they talked about him running into Buddy Holly. And, and so I was listening to Buddy Holly and Bill Haley in the Comets mm-hmm. and uh, stuff like I that. Buddy Holly might be the first proto, proto, proto metal guy. Yeah. Yeah, like listen to Peggy Sue and stuff. Yeah. Like Steve Harris March to it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you should, I don't know if you know the Dave Clark five, but you should check that yeah, out. Too. Dave Clark five. You know, it's interesting thinking about this, that we're all old enough to remember those songs still playing a little bit. when We were kids. Yeah. You'd still hear them. And I'm sure we have listeners that this is, they're almost thinking this is like a whole different world to me, but it, it really is worth going back. Even if it's still not your, your jam, your music, just, just so many, or like I heard Fats Domino on the radio today. I was like, Fuck, I haven't heard this in years. Mm-hmm. These guys were all so talented. Yeah, he hung out with Elvis too. Back then. What's that? He hung out with Elvis too and Little yeah. Richard and somebody else that I'm talking about later. And Little Richard's another one that unfortunately he's a caricature of himself now. Yeah. yeah. You know, with all the theatrics. So his early stuff, nobody played like that guy early on. Tutti Frutti. Yeah. I mean, it's fun to kind of go back, like you see those time life commercials here when you're like after the podcast, you're a little lit. You go down and put the TV on for a few minutes. It's like, hey, I'm here with uh, Sean Cassidy, you know, or somebody, <laughs> and we're gonna go over time life's you know greatest hits from the fifties. You know, and you're like, this is stupid. Then you, you're stuck in that loop for like two hours watching the same thing over and over again because you want to hear the songs. It's just there's something about that period. There's some guy that has a radio show here that I run into from time to time. And it's only when I'm driving through a certain area. I don't even know what station it is. I just happen to find it sometimes. And he plays 50s. Oh, it's when I'm driving out to our rehearsal studio. And he... he, um, You have a band? plays 50 songs that I don't know. (laughs) Like songs like that were probably like, you know, third tier hits, but they were hits. And on the radio and... Oh, he plays so much stuff I didn't know, and I'm always like, "This is so fucking good." This fucking thing, yeah. You know? yeah. I mean, they—they they were the foundation bands. bands for our bands that we really got into from the nice. late '60s, early '70s. Yeah, that led into all the bands that we're now diehards of. 
So you know, that's and all. one of the things that I knew from before I was a big Elvis fan was that there was like controversy about Elvis appropriating black music and culture. And I'm like reading this stuff and I'm going, nah, man, he was, this was all like an homage to the stuff that he loved. Mm-hmm. And it, it ain't up. his fault I mean, that the, he was white yeah. and the white people loved it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, and he was, and he grew up in that neighborhood. Yeah. That's where he, yeah. that's where his family was. They were poor. Yeah. So he didn't know the fucking difference. And, and so he, that's why I, I kind of get annoyed at this conversation of, well, who's the true king of rock and roll? Is it Elvis or Chuck Berry? Both of them. <laughs> yeah. They both are. You know, you I, know, I, so. I looked up that the first technically considered rock song is Rocket 88. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forget the name of the guy that did it, but um, yeah. he ran in Elvis's circles anyway. Um, and I, so I went and listened to the song and I was like, yeah, all right. Yeah, I get that. You know, it, it's, it's a rock song. And Bill Haley was another one that they were like, you know, his rock around the clock was technically yeah. predated like Elvis's coming onto the scene. Um, That's so crazy, but uh, yeah. And Chuck Berry, of course. So, yeah. You know, listen to, uh, to, you know, Elvis could get weird sometimes like, and listen to, like the original recording of Blue Moon. It's fucking psychedelic, dude. Almost. It's so fucking weird and so beautiful and haunting. Cause he's just like they it was it's like somebody turned on an echo thing and he was like, This is cool. Let me have fun with this. And he just does it. And it just he just does all these beautiful high falsetto notes and stuff. And it's just such a haunting track. That's that's off the first record. You know, yeah. uh they were talking about in the book about how at Sun Records they didn't have uh was it called slapback echo yet? And yeah. so, um, Oh, it's terrible. I can't remember the guy's name, but the, the, the owner of sun records and the guy that put to, you That's know, re- recorded his stuff. Um, he, uh, what he did to get that was he put like an amplifier down the hall with a microphone. And so when it was playing live, it would go, it would record in the room and then it would, and, and then a few seconds later down the hall and it would have this like reverb kind of effect. So <laughs> that was pretty cool. Anyway, Elvis is fucking cool. And it's a good thing. Will's not here. Cause he'd be like, what the fuck have you guys been talking about for the last half hour? Yeah, it's true. And like, I can see Matt's eyes glazing over over there and he's just like, huh? It's all good. I love Elvis. if it wasn't for for those musicians we would probably wouldn't like what we like exactly that's what i love doing is 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 taking where we are now and listening backward i mean that's why i've always been into the the blues for most of my life and you know all of this stuff comes back to stuff like this and the evolution of music from you know the 50s really and Mm -hmm. you know the blues that came before that it's just amazing and it, it's totally interesting so it, it, me, if we grew up then we'd be driving around in one of our cars listening to that music yeah and yelling out mcfly <laughs> it's funny that was on tv today i was gonna say i watched that today yeah. yeah they just uh the cast just did a uh, reunion together i don't know if you guys saw oh, the pictures online I did see, yeah. it was kind of cool to see them all together yeah. yeah but so if you're like an extreme metal fanatic and you're like Come on, guys, stop talking about this shit. I understand, but come on, you know. Uh, this stuff came from somewhere, and it's a really interesting uh, path to follow back to the beginning. So, you know, yeah. uh, you know, just bear with us. 
Yeah. I, I used to have a t-shirt that I bought from Elvis.com actually. Yeah. And it's a famous quote from John Lennon. Chuck Berry and those guys notwithstanding, but the quote from John Lennon is, is before Elvis, there was nothing. Yeah. That's true. And he doesn't, you know, he means musically. It was like my fucking, I mean, well, Bob Dylan said when I heard Elvis the first time, it was like, I got out of jail. <laughs> yeah. So. Yep. I, right. I understand now. All right. I still have two more things right. that I listen Let's to. Let's do it. Cool. Uh, and they are metal and metal adjacent. Um, first up is Frozen Dawn, The Decline of the Enlightened Gods, fourth album from a Spanish melodic black metal band. These are just one of those bands that, you know, it, it they they're not doing anything totally uh unique, but it just hits the mark and I dig it. And then the album you've probably been waiting for me to talk about. <laughs> this is uh a band that if you're American, you probably pronounce it Pill and Boo. But it's an Norwegian band and to the best of my butchering it's actually called P-O-B-U-A. Okay. <laughs> and uh, that is actually, uh, the translation is arrow and bow. All right. So bow and arrow, but P-O is, P is the uh, arrow and, and boo, obviously, boo is the uh, bow. And anyway, this band, this is their fourth album. It's called Special Agents. <sighs> It's kind of like a heavy rock metal sludge thing. Yeah, I've, right. I've heard of them before. I've never really listened to them. Wasn't really in my wheelhouse at the time, but we got the promo for this, and I was just like, let me just put it on for a song, see what it's like. I don't know what they sound like. And then the next song played, and then the next song played. And then I went back to the beginning because I was like, this is really good. And... uh this album blew my mind. It's I, I tried to get James Jessable James to listen to this. And soon as the vocals started, he was out. <laughs> uh, and I was like, dude, this is like, it, it's like rush meets John arch. You know, he sings really high that if, if you're not into high vocals, if you don't like King diamond or it's not that high, but you know, it, it's definitely high. Uh, but he holds those really long John Arch style notes that totally drew me in, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I can't do it, but damn. And I've listened to this album. I can't even tell you how many times over the last couple of weeks. So uh, if I have some time alone, I put on this album and I listen to it. <laughs> and uh, and I, I went and, and, and like bought the whole catalog uh, right away. Oh, cool. Does the rest of it live up to them? Um, it's all good. And it definitely like each one gets better. Okay. To, yeah. to the point where this is obviously their, you know, their best one so far. <laughs> uh, and I know Marcus on is a fan of this band because we talked about it a little bit and he was like, duh. Um, oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. So, um, if nobody else has my back on this one, at least I know he probably does. And I've been trying to get John and, and Jay to listen to this. And I don't know if they have. So I'm, no, I did. I did. I liked it. I, it's, I, I'm not as freaked out about it as you are, but I liked it. I totally got it. I understood everything you said about it. I probably should listen to it more, but I, it, it's definitely a cool vibe. And I'm not even sure of the possible two or three bands they remind me of. Okay. So I'll, I'll try to come up with a better, there was a little bit of sword in there for me, mm -hmm. possibly. Mm -hmm. 
vocally, but there's somebody else. And it was just like with the kettle decap vocal that it, it's just right there. And I'll find it. Yeah. Like the, John, the, the David Wayne thing. Exactly. That yeah, was what it was worked. bugging me. And that's exactly. And that's why yeah. I came up with the John Arch thing. I was like, Oh yeah, that doesn't solve this one for me. All right. I, 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 yeah, I mean, I, that works for you, but there's some other singer out there that he's, he's calling to mind for me. I'll okay. listen to some more now. All right. Report back. I did listen to it, George. Okay. All the way through. Although I had to stop in the last song because I had to do something, but I thought it was cool. Um, the things I liked about it, it, um, it's a hard rock album. I think that where that's where its foundation lays, and they then they push the boundaries into metal a little bit. And it's I it's heavy, it. you know. It's it, not oh, not it's heavy. heavy. I'll tell you. I'll tell you what I no. I my I mean hard rock. I mean on the upper ends of hard rock, yeah. not on the low ends. What I liked is there's blast beats in there. Yeah, there are there are moments I'm like, okay, the hard rock blast beats. They got balls. I like this. I will say, I did not get the John Arch. What? Hold on. In tone, meaning it doesn't remind me of John Arch in terms of how John Arch sounds. His command of his voice reminds me of John Arch. Okay, yeah. Yes. That's fair. So I actually, on the song, uh, and I wrote this down just for you, and it's the, the mellowest song with the cool ending, and that's in the middle of the album, When You Wake Up, Do You Stop Dreaming? That's totally not John Arch, but very cool no. song. It reminds me of the band Don Walker a little bit. So they, I'm not saying they're post-rock, but they kind of just touch little areas oh, yeah. within the hard rock that I think is a nice touch. His vocals remind me a little bit of the guy from Don Walker. He, he's got way more command uh-huh. and he goes a little higher, but the pitch is a little similar. And I, when I heard that, I was like, I know this sound from somewhere. Now, that's the only song that reminds me of Don Walker. The rest of the album doesn't remind me of them. But I thought it was kind of cool that you mentioned Sludge a little bit because um Don Walker has a little bit of sludge him. So I again they don't sound like each other. I just I hear certain things that remind me of the two bands. Uh-huh. I thought it was cool. I liked it. I, I spun it I listened to it a little bit more today. So awesome. Well I'm glad I didn't want to say anything because you were like, dude, John fucking Arch, listen now. And I was like, I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna hold this just a little longer. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I know. When I cool. when, when I get excited, I get a little excited. Oh, no, it's, uh, it's nice to hear a band because hard rock doesn't exist anymore. I, I'm sorry if people get upset by that, but it's true. So it's nice to hear a band that has its roots in rock, but incorporates other parts to give their sound something new. Because let's be honest, rock does get a little boring sometimes. So you got to do something a little different. And yeah. they, they give you that little something different. His vocals, they're very 80s like, but a contemporary sound being eighties vocalists had that range mm-hmm. a lot more than some vocalists do today. They could sing back then. They just could. Yeah. It's not a knock on current singers today, but the range is different today. It's it's so, yeah. I don't, I just feel like, um, you know, I, I, I go from genre to genre and I like, I'm like the Borg or something. I just like, or, or like Independence Day or whatever. I just like, I mine it until it is dead and then I move on to the next genre for a little while. Yeah. And and uh, right now I'm like, you know, what I really miss is some good hard rock. Mm-hmm. Something that's heavy, not like necessarily extreme metal, but something that's got some balls and that has some it. hooks. 
And that's just cool, you know, like, yeah. you know, some 70s, 80s classic rock type stuff. And there's another band I can't remember the name of. I, we got the promo the other day. I put it anywhere because I haven't listened uh, to much of it yet. But it sounded kind of cool, too. Not as cool as this, I think. But um, I, I think it's like a super group kind of thing with people from different bands. Um, so more on that most, later, maybe. Most, but One last quick thing. Most hard rock now is very corporate. There's, there's no, um, I mean, hard rock in the seventies was still corporate, but there was so much of it, uh-huh. yeah. you know, and nowadays it just seems like it's, if it's not the white stripes or the Foo Fighters, you know, let's be honest, they're two big names you hear. You just don't hear much about hard rock, even the darkness you don't hear about anymore. No, but they had a hot, I mean, they had a hot minute records. Yeah. They had a hot they're minute good records, but nobody cares. Yeah. And yeah. so it's nice to hear, even if. I don't listen to this a lot. It's just nice to know it's there. Yeah. You, you got to cleanse the palate. You have to. There was a point way, where I it was. recommend the last few Darkness records were all really good. Really he's, good. A, he's another one who's a freaking great singer. Yeah. So yeah. good. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah. There was a point where it was like, oh, I don't like that rock music because it's stupid. I like metal. And now rock music has sort of died. Yeah, unlike bit. metal, you know, because metal's so underground, it's not going anywhere. Whereas rock music kind of depended on on some level of popularity and and support, and so most people aren't doing it anymore. There's singer songwriters that come close to being rock, maybe, but in terms of hard rock stuff, it's like not really out there now. And so when I hear something like this, I appreciate it now because it's like mm-hmm. shit, nobody's doing this. You know. Yeah. It was pretty good, and I didn't buy it, I admit, but I heard the stuff, and I was like, hey, he's fucking pretty good. Eddie Van Halen's kid, he's got a cool hard rock band. Yeah, yeah. The Mammoth record? Yep. All the videos I saw from that, I was like, fuck, dude, this is fucking right there. It was just this rattly, fucking cool, edgy, hard rock music. Yep. And and in case anyone's wondering, he can play. He can totally play. There's no bullshit there. He can play. So Not, not to mention that he played Hot for Teacher, for the uh, Taylor Hawkins thing, yeah, that sounded great. Yeah, did he open with? Uh, did he open with "I'm the One"? What did he open with? Uh, that, honestly, I just watched that isolated, and it was. I was like, "This dude's got balls, man." <laughs> oh, that is good. So he's got the jeans. It's, it's they're few and far between now. It's hard oh, to yeah. Stuff. yeah. Well, I mean, look, Greta Van Fleet got a huge push early on, and then you listen, you're like, "This is kind of cool," and then you listen a little more, and you're like, "Um, this is Led Zeppelin." Yeah, it's it's like Led Zeppelin's song a little too high. Yeah, and you ever see Robert Plant's reaction to that? No. Yeah, they played it for him, and he and he's sitting there. He's getting interviewed, and they played it for him, and he said it sounds a little bit too much like a guy I used to know. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's a that's a a clever and polite response. Uh, He was he was putting him down. He was like, "Fuck these guys," but but yeah. Oh, if I, I mean, that just, wasn't the only thing you said. But. Just this will take just one quick second. I heard a great story. Something you know, a musician responding. It has to do with ACDC, and somebody commented uh, they were trying to come on to Angus really hard and say, you know, your albums, you know, like your last ten albums, they all sound the same. I mean, what do you have to say about that critique? And Angus thought for a second. He said, I, I actually disagree with that completely. I would say our last eleven albums sound exactly <laughs> the same. <laughs> yeah. I just had to, you mentioned Robert Plant. That made me think of Angus Young. So, <laughs> who was the band who opened for Black Sabbath on their farewell tour? Oh, uh, on their which tour? On the farewell tour. Their farewell, the last one. It, it, to me, it felt 
like falls into what we're talking about, like rock. Oh, what wait, was, was that Black Veil Riders? No, no. Actually, when when I saw them, I think it was uh, fucking Andrew WK, like DJing. That was uh, one tour he did. Yes, he did open. Oh, no, Matt, you're right. But Black Veil Riders was one of them. But that's not the one I'm thinking of. They they Black Star Jewish. Riders. Black Star like, Riders. Is it Rival the Thin Sons? Lizzy thing? Rival Sons. Rival Sons. You, yeah, oh, Rival Sons. Yeah. They're all right. But they're they never fall into that kind of gravity. Yeah, thing? yeah, yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Okay. Um, Black Star Riders is just Thin Lizzy. George, we saw them with um, Juice Priest. Yeah. 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 No, I, the, I don't like everything Black Star Riders does, but some of their stuff I like a lot. So. Oh, I like Scott. I think Scott Gorham's good guitar player and stuff. And they, I like that singer. Who was the singer on that? Uh, I forget his name. It's not that Miles Kennedy, is it? No, no, definitely not. Who the fuck um, was it? He's a good singer, though. I liked him. Yeah. Um. Oh, Ricky Warwick. That's, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow, um, he's not in the band anymore. Oh, wait, no, he is. Yeah, Sorry, those are past like members. Yeah, Ricky. That's the one I was You know, I, I have a suggestion for you, George. What's that? Check out the last few, and I'm not joking, it's way different than the old stuff. Check out the last few Uriah Heap albums, dude. They're fucking really good modern hard rock. Dude. Uriah Heap literally came in a, up in a conversation this week. So, this, how often does this that is happen? More of a sign. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Check out Wake the Sleeper. They have a record called Wake uh-huh. the Sleeper. Right. Mick Box is such a good singer. And there is, that's one of my favorite harder records the last 20 years. Uh, Wake the Sleeper by Uriah Heap. And it's nothing like Golden Uriah Heap. It's very different. But it's just straightforward hard rock, you know? Cool. But with, but with a European edge to it. You know, it's not like shouty choruses and shit cool let's do this damn list yeah top five list So this time, John and I were going back and forth on what we should do, and I, I think I, I came up with this. But uh, oh, and I know why I came up with this. I'll mention that later. But this is our top five deceased artists. We're glad we saw live when we could. But can uh, yeah. we reference our messaging? Like the both of you had twenty, and I basically struggled to get even five. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of honorable mentions. Hey, 20, I, I was nowhere near 20 either. I, I was, I think, I think a lot of people I love are about to die. <laughs> <laughs> I give Ozzy another couple weeks. There we go. I told John that it was going to come up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm up. I got 24 names. I have 20, Jeez. five of yeah. which are on my list. So they're not, hopefully some of them are just people I forgot about, but yeah, let's, let's, let's peel this bandaid off and find out. Cause I'm dying. Yeah, here. Let's, let's, let's make it raw that we're depressed. These people are not with us anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Matt. Number right. five. As I am a black Dahlia murder fan, I was happy to see them with Trevor Sternad yeah. in his time. <clears throat> have I seen them? I don't know if I've seen them. I don't think I have. I, don't think I guess I, I will be though. Right. I've, but yeah, without him, like a, they've been supporting for like a ton of tours I've seen. So yeah, they, yeah. So you probably and, have George. I probably have. Yeah. Um, and the reality is, for me, I probably mentioned this. Like, they were the first band I saw where, I, like, they played, and I realized, like, fuck, you guys are like my age. You know, it wasn't about like old <laughs> dudes playing or even just yeah. people who are rock stars. It was like 
like literally kids are like touring the world. So yeah. yeah. By the way, that drummer is the guy who's going to drum for Sludge. He basically begged them to let, let him be in the band. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. and Will knows him. S- smart choice. Yeah. Will, Will knows him. I can't him. think of his name off the top of my head. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. So uh, I've got a lot of names on my list for a lot of different reasons. And I struggled uh, to hone into five because I could easily go eight deep on this nine deep and all of them should be on my top five. So my number five, you might think is low, but it's just the way it played out. Cause I have reasons for how I set my top five up. My number five is Ronnie James Dio. God damn I was very lucky to see him uh, in 1982 on the mob rules tour. I asked I'm that old and I did get to see that tour, but then I got to see him on this wonderful little tour with iron maiden Dio and Motorhead. Yeah, which that was, was a good tour. Just an unfucking real tour. Uh, and then I got to see him with Heaven and Hell. Uh-huh. So I got to see him in three different uh, versions, although Heaven and Hell and Black Sabbath were the same band. Yeah. Thanks, Sharon, bitch. Um, but he's my number five. I, I just knew that I was going to be so jealous of y'all's lists. And that only speaks to what i'm saying just now. you wait sir just yeah. you wait and i, and I will <laughs> state right now that that probably these guys will mention people i completely forgot about which i i'll feel bad about so i think that's true for all likewise. of us yeah. likewise so my number five is somebody that this one comes with some regret because i didn't get to see this band and or person in its original form which is to say two of its very important members died but I did get to see Lemmy with Motorhead. And, you know, I I wish I had seen Lemmy, Phil, and Eddie. Uh, Never saw that. That was, in, you know, they were gone before I ever had a chance to go to shows. But um, but I did see Motorhead and got to see Lemmy play. So saw that multiple times. And I do fucking love Motorhead. So glad I got to see him before he died. Nice. Yeah. So my list is not necessarily metal. Just, Some of mine's not either. Just me, me, neither. me neither. I, I don't think we mentioned that, but you know, there's metal and then there's not metal. And it, my uh, my five is actually mostly not metal, um, almost completely not metal. <laughs> now that I look at it, uh, my number five is Kurt Cobain and Nirvana. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw what? them saw them at the Michigan State Fairgrounds October 1993, six months before he died. Wow. Bastard. And, uh, yeah, you know, considering Nirvana was really only around for like two and a half years <laughs> before he yeah. died in terms of people knowing about him, that was like a lucky show at a yes. hit. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's my number five. Back to Matt. Hey, my number four. I got to see Guar with Dave Rocky. Uh, nice. Before he That's passed. Very good. <clears throat> And I dig that. I've only seen them without him. Okay. I I was happy to see them in like a small club setting where no matter where you are, you could get, you know, slimed. Uh So um, (laughs) I haven't seen them since his passing. I don't know if it's the same type of show, but it's still a good show with. Yeah. But, but I mean, to see him with the OG of Guar to me is, you know, that's definitely a band to see. So. And and being in this area, it's kind of criminal that I haven't yep. seen him. Sure. But sure. I did see uh, 
Odorous Yurungus's Viking funeral. So I got to see that. Well, that's that, like that's next level, dude. Yeah, so. and I have a piece of his uh, funeral barge oh, sitting right. over that's here right. to the left of me. So sweet. All right, John. All right. Um, so my number four is not metal at all, um, but he was in my mind still one of the greatest guitarists ever to live and he uh when his passing happened we all have these moments in our lives you know it's i think made famous by where were you when jfk was killed right well he's in my one dad's of my, sack yeah, <laughs> yeah swimming around uh this is one of mine i remember where i was when i heard the news that I, he had died uh, my number four is Stevie Ray Vaughan. Uh, I was absolutely devastated when he died because I was a huge fan of his whole career at that point. Um, both his work solo, you know, with his band Double Trouble, and then obviously his work with David Bowie. So, yeah, I remember when he died, absolutely. Um, and, and, uh, yeah, there he, he had played the Michigan Theater in Ann Arbor, you know, within a reasonable time before that, and I didn't go. So that was. A bummer. And that was, Isn't that somewhere around where he died? No, that was Wisconsin, I think. Wisconsin. It's closer to it, Matt. It's all Matt's fault, really. It, it you know, was, for what it's worth, I was a down. huge fan too, and I was a huge fan when he died, and to the point where I was working at this bookstore and I walked in the next morning and I didn't know he died. And somebody, and somebody was like, We gotta tell Jay. Like that's because yeah. it was well known that I was a C Ray mm-hmm. And yeah. somebody said, Jay, I don't know if you heard me. And I was like, What? And they said Stevie died. And I was like, Wonder? And they were like, No. <laughs> I'll never forget it, dude. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah. And it's interesting that this topic came up because we've been having a little sidebar talk about Jeff Beck, uh-huh. and it's it's kind of gone down the rabbit hole to Steve Ray Vaughn mm-hmm. a little bit, too. And it's just like, fuck. And that Actually, was also- I thought you were going to say, and maybe you still will, but this was somebody I forgot to include on my list because I did get to see him, but Eddie Van Halen is dead. And I, is he? I didn't even think of him when I was making my list, but I did get to see him yeah. before. He's on. This, he's on the list somewhere. Somewhere, okay. The uh, the Seabury on stuff. He also was amazing as well. Like holy yeah. shit! One of my favorite things. Okay, I mean, I liked it all and I owned it all. But one of my favorite things was that's the best MTM MTV unplugged is Stevie Ray Vaughan's. Oh, yeah, it's so good. His and uh, I. I was never a huge Nirvana fan. Theirs was really good. Yeah, and, was and Eric Clapton's. Those three were just. Oh, of course, Allison Chains. Those Which, four were amazing. I'm reading the uh, Allison Chains book, and I yeah. haven't got to that part, but still. Yeah, those, those are good. those four are great. Yeah. Yep. Good book. I mean, it's the same one. It's, so, depress- it's depressing as shit. Yeah. I'm not that so, my four it. is another fabulous performer mm-hmm. um, who was part of a larger whole, but um, one of the fucking greats. Gotta be glad. That, that if you got to be in the same room twice when Neil Peart was playing drums. So oh, I got God to see Neil damn. Peart play live nice. twice and, um, you know, fucking awesome. It was great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, that is like the one band you go see where everybody is playing air drums, or at least everybody in a certain T-shirt. Yep. Uh, the greatest moment you could ever see is when Spirit of Radio starts. If you see the whole front sections, literally you could see old, fat, drunk dudes all synchronize their drumming and it's amazing how they could be that drunk and they could still air and drum. drum that well mm-hmm. yeah and drum that well <laughs> all right my number four sorry matt lane staley lollapalooza oh, 1993 oh god fuck 
And oh, see, I didn't even think of, sorry. Oh. And that was such an amazing set because it wasn't it's, just a set. It was an outdoor set. And I, I probably told this story 12 times on this podcast, but you know, it was an outdoor thing at the Milan dragway speedway thing in Michigan. And so it rained. They stopped the show in the middle of Allison Chain's set, and then they came back and played "Rain When I Die." And I was like, "Was it? Was it on a tour for Dirt?" Yes. Yeah, God, Dirt is God. just so fucking good. <laughs> yeah. So, in my book, in in the book, not my book, the book, they have not recorded Dirt yet, but like Dirt is my kind of be all be all end all. Um, you don't have any like Allison Chain's tattoos from Dirt, do you? Maybe two. I don't know. Okay. Whatever. Just checking. <laughs> Love that album. <clears throat> so good. Mm-hmm. All right. Back uh, to you, Matt. No, back to me. Uh, okay. The Paul Brothers, Vinny and uh, Daryl. Oh. Oh. I have not seen Tara. them. Okay. You know, and like, if we're going to talk about current events, I don't know that I would see the Pantera reunion live purposefully. Uh-huh. Um, they're, I know they're on the Metallica tour, which. I don't know that I'll go to because I don't feel like dropping that kind of coin. I'd rather save it <laughs> Who for does? other things. But yeah. um, it was kind of cool to see the original Pantera before, you know, all the bullshit went down. So, uh-huh. yeah. yeah. Very cool. Right, Johnny boy. All right. So uh, my third spot, I had somebody else in it and I actually removed them and I may get some flack for it later, but I moved, uh, this is actually two people. I moved them into this spot because number three. What? Yeah, because I only got to see them play together once, but I've seen both of them play live twice, once each separately and once together. And I just, it just is kind of sad that I won't get to see these guys ever again play because I think it's just one of the greatest metal backbones of a band ever. And so I'm going to cheat and put two names on here, but I think you'll see why. Sean Reiner and Sean Malone from Cynic. Boom. I got to see them. I got to see them together. One time together. And then I saw Cynic with Sean Reiner another time, but Sean Malone wasn't with them. And then I saw Sean Malone play with John Wesley, who used to be Porcupine Trees, live guitarist. So, um, yeah. I originally had them in my honorable mentions. I was like, yeah. I, that's one of the ones I didn't get to see that often that I felt was really special. So had yeah. you said this last week, last weekend, John, I would have maybe punched you. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. Nice. It's crazy. So my, my third one has already been said, but it had to be on here and it, in theory could, couldn't, should be higher, but my other two are pretty important. So, um, and I'm going to cheat and put both iterations in but it would be Ronnie James, both with Dio. And then I think more importantly in my case, even though Dio was amazing, but the, um, you know, the heaven and hell lineup. Of, well, the, well, the mob rules lineup of Black Sabbath because Bill Ward's on heaven and hell, but something I never thought I'd get a chance to see and to see him sing live at all, you know, it's amazing. And I got to see both iterations. So it's fucking killer. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Love Ronnie James. Yeah, I didn't include him on my, well, he's on my extended list, um, but uh, I have reasons. I got reasons. Leave me alone. <laughs> That's how many reasons, reasons we have. Third reason. <laughs> reasons. My third reason, my number three, 
not remotely metal, but definitely rocking, was B.B. King in 2008 at the Strathmore in... Oh. You know, add them to my list. <laughs> Why wouldn't you? Um, you know, I mean, fucking BB King. Okay, so the, he ties back to the Elvis story because he was friends with Elvis early on, mm-hmm. uh, back when BB was skinny, and uh, it was just B King at that time. <laughs> exactly, he was only one <laughs> no, B. He wasn't like not three B. <laughs> and the Strathmore uh, in in Bethesda is is one of awesome. those. Yeah, it's it, it's it's not a like rock concert venue. It's more no. of a symphony orchestra sort of place. It's a very Great place. fancy place, and and you know, uh, two thousand eight, BB was getting up there at this point and and quite rotund, and they just brought out a chair. BB sat there with his guitar, played songs, and then between songs, he would just talk about stuff. And that was just so much music history sitting right there in front of me that, you know, I'm so happy to have been able to see that. Mm-hmm. It's just that is that is history right there. That's like being able to see Elvis or yeah. something like that. You know, he was just he was massive, and so that definitely meant a lot to me. That's awesome. I saw him one time also too. Yeah, and uh, he played at the uh, Jay. You might know it's the Concord Jazz Festival. Have you ever heard of it? I don't know if they still do it out there. Um, and I went to it and like Spyro Gyra played and I can't remember who else was there, but uh, he played. And so if his set was, let's just say an hour, I don't know how long it was. I'm just making a number. And he played for 50 minutes. I not even exaggerating. Like the last 10 minutes was his band leader coming out and say, ladies and gentlemen, BB King. All right, let's give him a again. He must've said BB King about 40 different ways. B B. King and everyone clapped because BB King, ladies and gentlemen, it just went on for like 10 minutes. I literally was laughing hysterically. It's just like, like, yeah, and he's just standing there, you know, smiling and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so uh, cool. Yeah, very cool. All right, Matt, number two, uh, Jeff Hanneman of Slayer. Hanneman, Jeff Hanneman of Hanneman of Slayer. Okay, (laughs) yeah, I mean, uh. I've seen Slayer like a thousand times, maybe 75% with Jeff Hanneman. And honestly, I, I love Slayer. So are you hating on Gary Holt? I love Gary Holt. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, uh, but I've also loved Gary Holt and Exodus. And, uh, yeah, honestly, it was, I mean, let's be honest. You guys shot it out. Hey, Matt's probably not going to have many people on his list. And that's true. And so as I scan through, I have a, not a spreadsheet, but a word doc of all the concerts I've been to. And as I scan through them, I was like, gosh, not a lot of you dudes have died. So you're younger, man. It's all right. But, but like, I love the Hanneman and the Hanneman, he was like number four. And I was like, no, wait, that's Jeff Hanneman. He's definitely number two. Absolutely. Uh, You know, so. Jeff Hanneman, Slayer. All I gotta say is, you know, in the coming years, be prepared to lose some <laughs> to lose some heroes. I know. I, know. I, know. I like, and that's the flip side of it. Like you guys have experienced a lot of shitty loss. Me, it's all coming. For me, like right now, <clears throat> everything y'all have mentioned is RJD. He is definitely, uh, you know, missed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Uh, my number two comes from 2006. And Wait, did, John, did John do his? Oh, I'm sorry, John. Sorry. It's okay. 
It's fine. It's okay. It's uh, okay, buddy. You guys know my number two concert. It's okay, baby. Come on in. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. I'm going to let you go and I just do mine afterwards. No big deal. No, no, no. Go. Uh, uh, Matt, for your concert list, yeah. setlist.fm. Um, <laughs> I was on there for this, too. I go there. I go yeah. there. Get on there, brother. Um, so this is someone who's been mentioned already, so I won't say much. You guys already know how I feel about him. My number two is Neil Peart uh-huh. from Rush. Saw them 17 times, and I've met uh, Alex and Getty and talked to them, but I've never had the chance to meet Neil. So I hate to say it, but you're not going to. Travis D. Well, and you weren't going to back then either. I wasn't yeah. back then either. Yeah. yeah. So, um, that's awesome. I, I wish I had so many opportunities and I never did. And, and I'm kicking myself because I never got to see them. I mean, literally, I think it's one of the few bands where you go and literally everyone's watching the drummer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But but then you then deviate over to Getty because Getty's playing like 47 instruments and singing at the same time. Yeah. And then you, I mean, they're the only band where I think you watch every musician equally yeah. when, they, when they did play. So, yeah. All right. Now, Jay. My number two comes from 2006. Um, it was, um, I, I still I still think this person was so important to the other half of, what, an important half of what took place in this band. And he's dead. Now, arguably the more important member to some people is still alive. But I got to see Celtic Frost with Martin A. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, that monotheist, the presentation, what he brought to the stage, what he brought to that record was so important. And, um, and, and so, you know, I'm just, I'm so glad I got to see that iteration of that band. And it doesn't ever matter who the drummer Celtic Frost is. It right. doesn't change a lot. <laughs> Those are the two guys you needed to have present. I know, honest, but, um, but, uh, but, uh, nevertheless, that I, I'm so grateful. I had that opportunity and it's yeah. still one of my favorite shows ever. So full disclosure, um, because we've had a fuck ton of snow, I've been at home and yes, I've been at home, but what that means is that I left my iPad at work and that's usually what I read off of. So I had to go to the actual like hardbound books that I have. And one of which is only death is real. And strangely enough, Jay has been with me the most times where I've been drunk and bought stuff and not that I would (laughs) be, have to be drunk to buy that book, but, um, it's a, like literally it's a physically it's a big book and so for me to actually hold that fucker above my head at night that's a bit of a task and i do it <laughs> but um like tom g and eric martinet they're untouchable to me and i'm excited to be reading that and so super happy that's you number two jay they were they were counterpoint to each other and tom yep. still does wonderful things i'm yep. just saying that that was a and magic honestly okay. this week uh Every Friday at work, I wear a heavy metal shirt. So I show my boss and he's like, oh, cool. And so today or uh, yesterday was Triptycon. And I mentioned that, you know, we watched them. And then the, the following day, it was the Hellhammer okay. cover band. And you and I did the, the selfie with the bass player from yeah. Triptycon. I showed him a photo. And he's like, whoa, that's so cool. And I was like, yeah, but she had to fix her hair before she took the photo. And that's why, <laughs> really? that's why we look so good. Dot, dot, dot. And, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm glad we got to see that too. By yeah, the way, the whole yeah, totally thing. good times. Totally glad we got to see that. Yep. All right, so my number two, uh, you know, not unexpected. Um, not going to be on anybody else's list, but uh, 
This is uh, my butchered pronunciation of Finnish, Mika Tenkula, from Sentenced. Mm. Uh, I saw Sentenced back in September of 2002, and I this is why I was on set list. I looked up, Sentenced only ever played 13 sets in the United States. One of which really? was a was a fest in like 2000. So they did 12 dates with Dark Tranquility in 2002. And I got to see one of those. And, you know, it's still one of my top favorite shows of all time. And one of my favorite bands of all time. And so to be able to see them and to see him while he was still alive with the band was fantastic. Cool. Nice. Yep. Bring it on home. Yep. Number one. That's you, oh, Matt. me. <laughs> <laughs> Where's Marcus on? <laughs> so you were talking, George, it reminded me of probably an honorable mention for me, which I will save to the honorable mentions part. But so my number one, Lemmy, Motorhead, Summit, Vakken. Nice. They only played for about 30 minutes. Uh, they had to pause. And then somebody came out after about 20 minutes of pause and said, hey, we're done. And that was kind of around the time that Lemmy was getting sick. Uh, yeah. And all I could think of was like, and uh, strangely enough, I think they actually played the following year and it was fine. But <laughs> I just felt like that, that time, like I am going to take this 30 minutes and feel fortunate to have seen Lemmy because yeah. I don't know how much of that time is left for him and bless his heart. So yeah. might have been one Lemmy and Motorhead. Yeah. Right on. All right, John. All right, my uh, number one is definitely not metal, but I would be willing to bet, what is the expression, dollars to donuts, um, that he influenced a lot of metal heads. Uh, I can think of one in particular, at least industrial metal. Uh, my number one, I got to see three times, so I'm pretty happy I got that. That's David Bowie. I knew it. Bastard. Yeah. So, and you're talking about Trent Reznor. Yes, definitely yep. Reznor is influenced by him. But uh-huh. um, I'm afraid of Americans. <laughs> yep. Uh, I got to see him at 87 on the Class Spider tour, which yeah. is probably not his finest moment uh, album-wise. But Peter Frampton was his guitarist on that tour. So. What? Yeah, so it's kind of cool. What? So just this evening before recording, Barb was telling me about a David Bowie song she heard on the radio today. And I was not familiar with it, uh, so I want to see if John's familiar. Well, obviously, John's familiar with it. Uh, it's called "Loving the Alien" or "Aliens." Mm-hmm. Oh, it's the night album. Yeah, nineteen eighty-three. Yeah, she heard it on the eighties channel, and she was just like, "This yeah. is a really cool Bowie song." I heard, and yeah. I played the video, and I was like, "Oh, yeah, it's very 80s. Well, it was. That's the album that has "Blue Jean." Okay, yeah. I knew you'd know it. I just wanted to test you. Mm. Um, I only had two honorable mentions, so I'm actually going to do mine real quick because nah, nah, no, it's still John's turn. Oh, 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 I thought it was David Bowie. No, no, no. That w- uh, wait. Oh, it was David Bowie. Yeah. Sorry, it is your turn, Jay. I will yeah. fuck off now. Yeah, so just, <laughs> just people I was trying to get onto this list, I couldn't, and one of them was Slayer. I couldn't get Slayer on the list, and um, Jeff Hammond most specifically, but having the fortune to see Slayer as the original lineup. With Dave and Jeff, so that was cool. Mm. One I wanted to find a place here for, but I couldn't, and it's Leonard Cohen. I'm so happy I got to see him. Oh, shit. Okay, he's on that. It was just so good. But 
And this is not just because of current events. I promise you this, but my number one. So glad I got to see Jeff Beck before he died. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think it's been kind of events. I got to see him on the Grammy tour, which was amazing. So good. And again, current events notwithstanding, I still think that would have been my answer. All right. Very nice. good. Um, my number one, all the Ramones. They're all dead. <laughs> <laughs> Although technically I only saw two of them. Uh, you know, I saw Joey and I saw Johnny. Um, DD. I don't think was playing with them the first time that I saw them. Um, and I know it was Tommy, not sorry, not Tommy, but uh, Marky when I saw them. I never, so I never saw Tommy, but um, so at least Joey and Johnny Ramone uh, I have seen. And, you know, like my number one favorite band of all time that is not metal. So, yeah. Nice. Let's do some so- of these. Can I do my arm roll? Yes, you may. That's where I was headed. Which happened during this conversation, but that was Alexei Leho from Charlton of Bodom. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. He died just during this conversation? Basically about 20 minutes ago. Oh, damn. I so, thought he was already dead. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. <laughs> Glad he got that little bit extra time there. Mm-hmm. All right. That's all you got? Yes. Wow. Okay. Yep. All right. I got a George size what I'm listening to list. Yeah, let's hear it. Big old mushroom cap. All right. So uh, my first one of my honorable mentions, these are my next tiers. These all could have made my list easily. Uh, My first one is Jeff Beck. I did get to see him. And I bounced him out of my top five for the very reason that I had plenty of opportunities to see him more and I didn't go. When did you see him? What was the circumstance under which you sound like what? I saw him in 1983 on the Ronnie Lane Arms Tour. Oh, cool. So he played uh, Ronnie Lane, used to be in The Faces with Rod Stewart and Ron Wood. his sister named Penny Lane? Potentially. Um, And they did a a benefit tour for him because he was sick. And Bill Graham somehow was part of this. He got the thing to come to San Francisco. And it was Jeff Beck. Eric Clapton and Jimmy Page all did special sets during that thing. Yeah. And so I saw that in 83 and I I bounced him out because I could have seen him more times than I didn't. And I know it's a silly reason to do it, but I put in Sean Reiner and Sean Malone because they hardly ever played, you know, after the initial breakup of the band and I didn't go see them enough. And so don't don't try to reason with me on that. Uh, My next Eddie Van Halen. Got a yep. chance to see him twice. Yep. And then the trifecta here of great guitarist, Alan Holdsworth. It's just unreal. I've never seen anyone play like him before. I, I don't know. I mean, he might be the best guitar player I've ever seen in my life. Um, I'm going to sort of butcher his name, but Peter Grudzinski from Riverside. I got to see him play a bunch of times, which he's people wouldn't know his name, but he was an amazing guitar player. This is a double. Alan White and Chris Squire from Yes. I saw them a gazillion times, but I'm really fortunate to see them. Lemmy, of course. Yep. And then a guy named Andrew Mac McDermott, which was the lead singer of Threshold, oh. which is a prog band from uh, England. They don't come to the States often. They only come to play festivals here, and I got a chance to see him. And I got now an honorable mentions list of other notables that I got a chance to see. Some of these I like, some eh. I still got to see him, so I just want to. Re- yeah. no, I want to recognize that I got to see him. So Dave Brocky from Guar, I got to see him. 
Steve Clark from Def Leppard oh. on the Pyromania tour. I saw them. Oh, a name that I didn't know if anyone would bring it up, but I got to see him a bunch. Warl Dane. I saw oh. them both with Nevermore oh. and Sanctuary. Me too. Yeah. Um, this is a band I don't really care for that much, but got to see him. Keith Emerson and Greg Lake. Oh. Um, Jerry Garcia from The Dead, Grateful Dead. Mm-hmm. This one's a little, eh. but I got to see them with this Dave Holland from Judas Priest. Yeah, right. Uh, Mike Howe from Metal Church. Mm. Oh, shit. Oh, I saw, yeah, I, I got to see him too. John Lord from Deep Purple. Yeah, I did not. You know? John Lord. Uh, mm. And then Christine McVie, she recently passed from Fleetwood Mac. And then George reminded me of BB King. So, and I'm sure there's others, but yeah. The older you get, they start to happen more and more, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Jay, what you got? Um, just a, honestly, Slayer and Leonard Cohen were the ones that I left off. I did see Eddie Van Halen. Was glad to have seen him. Never saw World Dane. Would have liked to have seen him. Um, I think John named a couple I'd seen, um, but the big ones were were the ones I already mentioned. <clears throat> um, and honestly, like the one, the one really almost should have been on the list was Leonard Cohen, but he's so far from metal that I thought not. Like yeah, no, but still, one of the best shows I ever saw. So. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and he died not. Well, no, he died a good good ways after I saw him. I think I saw him in 2008. Something like that. Whatever that tour was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. All right. Uh, I've got a reasonably big list, and surprisingly, a lot of these people haven't mentioned. But um, <clears throat> I did add a few <laughs> based on y'all. Um, first up, Dusty Hill from ZZ Top. Mm. Uh, not a well-known one, but Whit Black from Yesterday's Saints. Oh, yeah. I saw him too. Yeah. 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 Really good. Uh, du- good dude. Good player. Great band. Unfortunately not around anymore. Um, moving it up a notch now. Eddie Van Halen. You know, yeah, I think you've heard of him. Uh, didn't thought I might hear this one, but Peter Steele. I've never seen never him. Saw him. You were the only one of us that's even seen him. Yeah, okay. Uh, Mitch Lucker from Suicide Silence. Not a huge Suicide Silence fan until I saw them live and met him after the show. And uh, the the live show was so fucking amazing that I became a fan. By the way, I have one that we all left out. So Chris far. Cornell. Chris Cornell from Soundgarden. This is literally my next dude. <laughs> Chris Cornell from Soundgarden. Wow. Weird, you both had you that saw one. Soundgarden or Audio Slave? No, I saw I saw, I saw Soundgarden on uh, Lollapalooza, so it was that Pearl Jam Soundgarden year. I saw Soundgarden too, and then actually they went to the side stage and did this Temple of the Dog stuff. Yeah. God damn it! Oh, wow, yeah, that was god, that was so long ago. But it was, what, what even that was the Jesus Christ post record, right? That'd be bad, Motorfinger, might have been before that then. Whatever it was, ten just came out. Pearl Jam's ten just came out. And I mean, Bad Motor Finger came out before ten. Yeah, like Pretty sure, way before ten, or like no, like maybe a no, year, year before, or two before. twenty minutes. Let's yeah, that one. But in About any case, yeah, just, <laughs> and so I got to see him do the Temple of the Dog stuff too. Which That's cool. nice. Uh, look, God damn it! <laughs> uh, next up, Jeff Hanneman, of course. Uh, World Dane, who I saw as mentioned both with sanctuary and uh nevermore uh i did see him with matt although i don't know if matt actually was there for it uh with sanctuary of Vakken, uh which what was, was watching 
I don't know, but I was the only one there. Y'all like fucking left me in the rain. Yeah. It was raining. Was lost. I was up on the rail watching Sanctuary at Vakken by myself. So uh, Matt was probably fucking off somewhere. Um, and uh, he died not that long after that. God damn it. What did I watch? I don't know. Uh, and then Avi, Lemmy. Uh, and also on that, t- on the first time I saw them, I'm pretty sure I saw Filthy Phil and Wurzel as well. Um, so oh, wow. That's right. he was around, he was around through Orgasmatronic, maybe rock and roll. I'm trying to remember when he left. Well, according to what I looked at 1916, they played on that as well. Uh, well, he may have, he may have left and come back, that, but anyway, that's awesome. If you so, but it, you know, it's about Lemmy anyway. I just added them because it said they were there. Um, Nick Menza from Megadeth. Uh, a guy named Ronnie James Dio. Mm. Uh, John mentioned Christine McVie. LG Petrov from Entombed. What? Uh, Alexi from Children of Bodom. And then added at the end here, Leonard Cohen and Mike Howe. Oh, you saw Lionel Cohen. I did. I have the I have the the concert poster out in the bar there. Um, yeah, I saw him at Merriweather. It was fucking amazing. So good. Um, and I had the good fortune to meet my guy. It was so nice to me. And um, when um, they did the amount of Marth thing, mm. um, he just came out and watched, and me and Sergey hung out with him for a minute. It was super nice to us. Nice. Yeah, that's sad. That was sad. I, I forgot they got somebody again, and we were talked about it last time. I'm trying to remember who they picked up. They Did I see? Go ahead, Jay. Sorry. No, I was just trying to remember. We talked about it last time. Metal Church picked some singer up, or no, maybe me and Sega. We talked about it. Oh yeah, yeah. Because I that was when I thought that uh, uh, Ross the Boss joined Metal Church. That's right. Who's the singer for Ross the Boss guy? Yeah, Mark Lopez is his name. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, sorry, John. George, did I see uh, LG with you also? Yes, you did. Uh, Adam and Lust. Fillmore, yeah. That was when Will walked into the fucking the the uh, parking garage thing. Yeah, Yeah. I forgot. (laughs) That was with Alamana Marth. Yeah, I forgot somebody real quick. Uh, You guys probably don't know him, but Tony Thompson, the drummer, played with uh, David Bowie and the Power Station. I think he was part of this band called Chic or Chick. Oh yeah, yeah. I was a big fan of his drumming, so. Nice. Um, wow, my list keeps growing. Damn it. It's a grower, not a show. Well, yeah. it's going to get a lot longer pretty soon, John. So, I mean, like we we are in a very unfortunate... Stop mentioning names, Jay. So, no, yeah. But we are in a very unfortunate generational change moment. So I know. Yeah, one of the, uh, one of the uh, news items I didn't add because I knew what Jay would say was that Ozzy has uh, retired <laughs> from touring and... Uh, you know, I think he's contractually obligated to say, I don't think Ozzy's going to be with us in much longer. <laughs> so but in a good commercial for workday. So, but that was an awesome commercial. Oh he looks so, so rough, man. His voice sounds weak to me and everything. He just, he's looking he, rough right now. He sounded good in the better half of the commercial, but the first half, like he, <laughs> I'm Oswald. The Parkinson's Oswald. is good. Yep. So, yeah. yeah. By the way, is anyone seeing recent pictures of Tony Omi? No, no. All right, let's just see one. He doesn't he's look like he's here. 75, does he? No, he doesn't. Fucking <laughs> Tony. I saw a very new one. He's Somebody's doing, of all things, I think it was a ballet 
to several classic Black Sabbath songs, and he's sort of tied up in the project somehow. So I saw this picture of, and it's like, I think it's at Birmingham. <clears throat> how ballet is going to work with Sabbath, I don't know. And I, and I don't even know how it's going to be orchestrated, but I didn't bother to read the article, but Tony looked 50. Wow. Geezer's got a book coming out. Yeah, I can't right. wait to read that. The Void, I believe yeah. is what it's called. Yeah. I'll, I'll be looking forward to reading that. He's he's so quiet that I, mm-hmm. I don't know what his perspective is going to be. You know, He's got all the secrets. He's Maybe the quiet one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who is the quiet one, George? Do you know? Huh? The quiet one. Who's the quiet one? Geezer. There's a famous bass player in oh. the music. The quiet one. Uh, um, the who? And he sings a song called The Quiet One. Yeah. John Atwistle. That was Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. Remember that? <laughs> On Face Dances, there's a song called The Quiet One. Yeah. Everybody calls me The Quiet One. Yep. I, I took me a minute to get, well, I didn't get the name, but I mean, I knew the name, but I'm, so yeah, but I knew it. Face dances, by the way, that's a good fucking record. I know you guys. When I was reading the Pete Townsend book, um, I was listening through the albums, and I remembered both you and John going, "Yeah, face dances, run go, run go." So I was like, "All right, let me listen to that." Um, it's got like Eminem's front on it. How can you do it alone? Mm, is on there. Mm, it's not. Yeah, mm, yeah. Eminem's front's on. It's hard. Ah, it's hard to remember that, Jay. <laughs> face face dances has. You better, you bet. Another okay. tricky day. Another tricky day. There you go. Okay. Another tricky day. And how can you do it alone? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Yeah. We are almost to the end here. Wow. One thing We're we got to do though. Got to. Oh, pick. Uh, hold on. Oh, damn it! I just knocked over my copy of Leviathan. God damn it! Oh, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm editing that out. It is doesn't count. It's yeah. real. All right. Fine. Album of the fucking episode, Matt. It's a contract. Yeah. Okay. I'm obligated. <clears throat> Leviathan by the band Mastodon. Ooh. Damn you, Jay. Thank you. Thank you, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, John. Just waiting for the time when he comes on and says uh, the album is Mastodon by the band Leviathan. Just, <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting for that. So uh, mine's gonna be Amorphous Eclipse. I huh? I really enjoyed spinning that today on vinyl for the first time, and it reminded me of when uh, we did our best of post 2000 top 15 list or whatever. And I feel like I want to revisit that again soon when we have like. 25 years of albums we can go back to uh-huh. cool. and kind of that was before you uh you and matt and marcus on mm-hmm. we did a top i think top 15 didn't we post 2000 yeah albums. yeah and at some point next year will be 25 years since you know the world was supposed to end so be kind of cool to revisit that yeah you well, know i was gonna say live at ronnie scott's but i'm not gonna and then I thought maybe I'll say Birds of Fire, but my audition, and I changed my mind. And it's because we talked about a record that I really do love, and I was glad to think of it again. Uh, enslaved, uh, Vertebrae. Oh, you mean Enslaved? Enslaved. My first Vertebrae. Enslaved album. Very fine Ooh. record. They're progest, that's for sure. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Well, I'm going to have to go uh, with my album of the month for February. Mm. Pio Bua. 
<laughs> or pill or and boo. And boo. <laughs> yes, special <laughs> agents. That just fucking blows me away. So that's awesome. Nobody, uh, nobody else. Clearly, I'm an idiot, but that's my choice. Not at all. I I have a couple albums to spin. I'm close. I'm close with mine, so I should have mine hopefully tomorrow. Okay. By the way, just offering this out there, but I ordered. It just occurred to me that I ordered. These are those enslaved things that came out during. Mm -hmm. uh, I got them. Yeah. Yeah. And they have, and I downloaded them, but I bet my download codes still work if anybody wants to download those shows. Uh-huh. Oh. I used, I used mine. I mean, there, it's the video of, a sh- of the show, George. Okay. Okay, I'll find it and I'll put it up. I mean, unless that. somebody else wants it. I, I, I doubt it's limited to one. I bet that, I bet it's not locked like that. Well, if it is, and you never, I'll, I'll look and see if I can dig mine out then, because I didn't even realize those were in there. Nice. Okay. While we had a great time, uh, we did miss Jay and Marcus on when Matt Definitely. and his buddy uh, Aaron came and met us in DC. What were you it was doing? fun. What was your motivation to be on the East Coast? Just fun. So my buddy, uh, who I went to high school with, has moved kind of back and forth throughout the country because of government jobs, uh-huh. and we've always talked about DC. And so he actually is a big fan of Impractical Jokers, uh-huh. <clears throat> and they had a thing going on there. And I was like, "Hey, let's meet up and go to their show." And so we made our plans and. That was kind of, well, probably like 18 months ago. And I realized like, gosh, all y'all live out there. Let's hang out while we're on there. And so it's kind of how that came to be. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was fun. Yeah. And surprisingly, all the places that we went to were not really crowded. They were, no. hip. they were hipsters, but it wasn't crowded. <clears throat> no, I had an absolute awesome time at Atlas as well as Church Key. Based on what we talked about, you know, John, you said, hey, it's going to be usually packed all the time. We went there. It was like, I wouldn't say it was dead by any means, but like, oh, it was busy. Easily, we could easily get a table for the, yeah. you know, five of us to sit at. <clears throat> and they had like a beer event going on, which we could kind of capitalize on after the fact. So it was a good time. I'm, I'm still jonesing about the fact that you went to Brazier back and it was. Uh, decent i'm like i'm gonna so go good. tell jen if she's still up i'm gonna tell her say matt what it said wasn't that crowded we gotta go yeah brazier back fabulous honestly they have probably what did i say eight belgian beers on tap mm-hmm. and you don't see often no but a whole book full of others that are you know bottles and <clears throat> we actually went during happy hour so we got like dollars off what we were buying Plus, we could order food off the menu. Awesome. Not have to worry about like, you know, I was a little bit intimidated when I looked at it on, you know, Friday, Saturday, because the menu feels, <clears throat> what would I say? Um, well, smarter than me <laughs> when I look at it. And then you go and the happy hour menu is much different. We just did like a charcuterie plate and fries. And I was like, this is awesome. And then, uh, like I said, I- prior to us recording, I was like, dude, we're not leaving after like three beers. So let's do this. Mm-hmm. So. It's actually Fritz, Matt, when you eat a Belgian Fritz. restaurant. So I'm sorry. <laughs> Fritz. Fritz. Which were fabulous. Yeah. So, and soccer on the big screen. Oh, yes. Yep. Yeah. All right, bro dudes. Thank you for showing up. Love y'all. Love Talk you. to you later. I see you guys. Peace. Bye.
you know, your night's not complete until that ass gets hit. We're not done until Jay's butt hurts. <laughs>